One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. He takes being cook to a whole new level. These students can't afford to feed themselves. Do the best you can for your child. And you look around for support and there's nothing there. Just get up and do our best today and that's all we can do. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Mine with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, delighted to see that award for uh, my friend and friend of the show, Don O'Leary. And Owen English writes about him in The Examiner this morning. And I have to say, the headline writer, if you were looking for a word to describe Don O'Leary and God knows I've searched often enough in my brain or whatever passes for brain for a word to describe Don O'Leary and I gotta hand it to the examiner this morning they describe him as Cork Education Visionary Visionary there's the word if ever a word fitted a man Visionary Don O'Leary great to see uh, Lord Mayor Kelleher uh, and will provide or present that award to him and present it quickly, present it in the next few weeks because we all know, uh, I must say as a friend of the man I've, I've known for quite some time about Don's health, I knew in the second half of last year that uh, the situation was, was, was not good for Don, uh, but as he said in the interview there at the new year and uh, we had a little bit of it here on the news as well, he's at one with his situation and uh, he is getting on with life and getting on with his incredible work and the work of his incredible team at the Life Centre but great to see him be presented with that Civic Award uh, very very soon by the Lord Mayor Colum Kelleher but I love that word I do love that word visionary I think it describes him to an absolute T good morning 0818 96 96 96 coming up later what if Nana or Granda are minding the children and suddenly they said they wanted to be paid for it. How would you feel about that? It's a good story in the papers. I'll tell you about it afterwards. Nana and Granda minding the children so you can go to work or whatever. Um, would they expect or should they expect to be paid for it? We'll come back to it. But it's with education we want to start. Talking about Don O'Leary there, but it's with education that we want to start. And the Leaving search, which... Five months from this moment, this is the 11th of January, five months from this moment, it will be on. Uh, I'm not entirely sure the date of, the, just grab it here for a second, the date of the Leaving Cert starting this year, if my calculations are correct, will either be the 2nd or the 9th, I think it'll be the 9th of June. 
So the leave insert begins on the 9th of June. So it'll be underway five months from today. And we still don't know what is happening. Is it going to be a proper, full written exam like it was say in 2019 or is it going to be a hybrid like it was last year or is it going to be predicted grades what is it going to be the teachers unions if you're to understand them correctly won't don't want anything to do with predicting grades they did it in 2020 as a once-off they did it last year kind of say all right look here we go they don't want to do it that's my understanding of the teachers unions what is the plan for the Leaving Cert, which, as I say, will be underway uh, less than five months from today. Uh, Maureen Tuig went to Cloche de Eamon Rich and she spoke to the Taoiseach about the possibility of predicted grades. But first, she spoke to a number of the students about their thoughts. Adam Murphy, I think if the choice would be important because there are students that will find it better either way. And I think, on the one hand, it's more to sit the exam, but also six years of work or three years rather coming down to one day I think anyway regardless of pandemic is a, is a bit strange but I think having the choice for people is, is important especially what's happened over the last two years having people's opinion on what the accredited grades were like some people found it good so I think it should be it should be a choice definitely and I suppose leaving here kind of starts maybe fourth year but definitely fifth and sixth year and all that time we've had the pandemic so it's been disruption the whole time it hasn't been a normal school year so that must have been really tough yeah it, it was I, I think the first time we did the online learning it was very tough it was you know you're getting up at you know half seven eight o'clock and then looking at a screen for six hours since you wake up and that's not really healthy but um i i, I personally i'm used to it by now but i don't know about anyone else and it has been very stressful for students and are you noticing now that uh, you know people are out teachers are out and there's a lot of absences yeah we came back there was i believe friday there was 197 people absent and that like that was on our when we came into school there was five people in our year that was unheard of. Uh, Gareth Watt, I would like it to be like a hybrid one, like last year, where you could sit the exam so you could actually get the best options of both and then the current grade and then take the best. And is that what you do if you had the option that you'd pick some that you would sit and you'd say with others you take the accredited grade? Yeah, I'll sit all of it, then uh, I'll take the best option between like which one I got the highest results and all that. Do you think it's unfair that you still don't know now you're in January and it's not fair from June that there's still that uncertainty whether that could be an option? Yeah, it's very anxious and worrying to find out what's going to happen and then like what subjects to actually focus more about and all that. And do you think that by schools being open that a lot of students are missing out because if they are, they are forced to stay at home, they don't get to do the online learning then either. So do you think that maybe... It was the right thing to open schools last Thursday? Uh, no, I don't think it would have been the best decision as a lot of uh, students were like over Christmas probably with family and all that and then now they have to come back to school where there's more of a chance to get infected and all because of the buses and then all of that. So now I believe it would have been best if everybody just stayed at home for like probably until end of February or so. Camus plan. Yeah, I like there to be like a hybrid because there are some things where you don't really have enough time to put a lot of work in and after like um, the work you give to the teachers you know that's you miss out on a lot of that recently and are you noticing a lot of absences between I suppose teachers and students yeah, yeah yeah I think like three of my teachers were out and uh, a lot of the other uh, students in my class were also out yeah ever since COVID you got like a whole like different mindset about school because you're always worrying about um, 
if it'll come to me or uh, what if I miss out all this all this um, work and you just never know what's going to happen. In regards to the leaving certificate, accommodations have already been made in respect of the papers following consultation between the Minister for Education and the advisory group that has been established, which is made up of uh, all the various stakeholders in education, from students um, to parents to the unions to the managerial bodies. Um, and that's kept under uh, constant review. Um, and obviously there are challenges in education at the moment in terms of the Omicron, not quite like last year we, where we had to close the uh, schools for a considerable period of time. Um, it, it, it's complex enough area um, in, in, in terms of the, the challenges that that represents, but accommodations have already been made in terms of the papers uh, and, and how they'll be structured, uh, and, and the, the broader issue then will be kept under review. So less than five months to the day the leave insert is supposed to begin, which would be around the 9th of June. Do we have a plan? Do we not have a plan? The T-shirt just says everything is under review, which I suppose in the teeth of the pandemic and the ongoing pandemic to have it under review is fair. But it's also fair to suggest, I think, that after our third year of this, that we should be able to give students some certainty or other Uh, Before the end of the month, I would suggest that you either tell them, yes, lads, we're doing hybrid again, or no, lads, we're going back to a standard written exam, or what are we doing? But Mary, you believe there's a a group being completely forgotten in all of this. Good morning. Yes, um, PJ, this year's Leaving Cert were in TY when the pandemic hit. Yeah. And basically they were absolutely forgotten about. You know, TY, in fairness, at the best of times, isn't the most productive of years. And the online classes, from my experience, my daughter, um, were in most cases non-existent. Um, And in fairness, it was correct insofar as their priority was the children who were sitting the Leaving Cert that coming June. They were obviously being the nearest impact you know, was on them and they were the priority. I have absolutely no issue with that. But basically when they, last year then, when it came, the leaving certs were again the priority and this this group of students have been brought through the pandemic with the least amount of, you know, care, I suppose, mm. compared to any of the three groups that are in scope whatever, the two that have been, were accommodated, didn't even have to do a leaving cert the yeah. first time. Yeah. We had the hybrid. And then these are the students who got least education value during that period. I mean, for, for your and daughter's situation... now they're situation expected with, to go back to normal. Yeah, for your daughter's situation with regard to, to TY. And, and you're right, TY is only as good as the programme the school puts in place for it. Exactly, but, and they but, weren't even in school. Yeah. So, so, do, so do you reckon, what did she miss out on in that year, do you think? Well, I suppose that kind of thing, it was the start of March, the pandemic hit, you know, and they were all just sent home. And, you know, I I suppose even the development, the camaraderie and, I, you know, and what they really missed was the routine of sitting, you know, being in school, sitting yeah. down. Um, a lot of, you know, they do study kind of um, workshops and things like that to prepare them for the two years ahead. Yeah. As part of TY, TY is supposed to prepare them for the yeah. two years ahead, and they missed out on a significant, yeah. on basically all of it. Like yeah. there was teachers that couldn't use um, 
Zoom or equipment or IT and didn't have access to broadband or whatever anyway. Yeah. And, and do you feel that as she heads in now, if I'm listening to you correctly, your daughter is heading into Leaving Cert now? Leaving Cert, yes. Like, how does she feel less than five months to the start? I suppose, that, like, they don't know any different insofar as this is... You know, they are living through this. This is their only experience. She doesn't have a clue. I really don't think she's my youngest. My older children would certainly have been far more prepared mm. at this stage. And what would she like to do, do, do you think? Do you think she'd like to do the hybrid? Do you think she'd like I to do the pure like sit-down exam? I think she would actually still sit most of the exams, but she would like the backup, I suppose, of having an accredited grade yeah. if she if she needed it. You know, they've had a very, very disrupted education. Yeah. This yeah. group. You know, it's it it, it really is very mm. difficult for them. They were the last group to sit at junior cert. That's right. That's right. And you know, that's kind of a d- I just their education wasn't progressed in a normal way and I think that has to be catered for in some taking into account form, as you know. it were yeah you know they didn't even have you know the way normally that you know they'd be maybe take on honours and drop that to pass if they didn't you know yeah. they'd have yeah. the, the choices they've had to make kind of choices very uninformed choices yeah. I, Do you know, Mary, I mean, as we all know the leaving search sorry the, the, the leaving yeah. search is something that really, it's the whole house is doing the leaving. It's not just the student. The whole house is doing the leaving. And you as Mammy, you yes. you have to mind her. Are you finding it tough? Um, well, she's a very, very good kid. I have absolutely no problems with her. No, she's not going to, she's not a 625 student. She will never will be. And that is absolutely fine. Um, but, you know, as long as she she's... A very well met, respectful. She'll do her work. She, you know, she doesn't cause any issues at home. The phone, obviously, is a huge problem, as it is for everybody. And I think, as well, the pandemic has contributed to that because the phone was their lifeline yeah. to the outside world during that time. And it is harder to keep them off it because they didn't have the other things keeping them. Mm. You know, they didn't have any other way of engaging with their friends for such a long time yeah. so look, it has, it has a, an increased importance I suppose to that, and that is a problem when you're coming to exams yeah. to try and pull back from that and get them back to and they can't go back to normal interaction with their, with their peer groups anyway so yeah. you know there's been no discos there's been no nothing yeah 18th birthday parties, all that. You know yeah. what I mean? It's normal milestones, they've, they've, normal they've disappeared. Yeah. They have missed so much. And all that actually feeds in to your education, if you like. Your life education feeds into your school education. True. What you experience in the world and everything. And they just have been hugely disadvantaged. Okay. Mary, listen, thank That's you very much. Okay. I do thank appreciate you. the call. Okay. And yeah, that's spare a thought. Thanks, Mary. Spare a thought for the, the kids who were going into TY when all this happened. They didn't get a proper TY. They couldn't get a proper TY, which is supposed to prepare them for the leaving. And now the leaving is less than five months away to the day.
And Mary is saying, well, look, her daughter is disadvantaged and that entire group are disadvantaged. We're trying to canvas a little bit. Listening to the students that were talking to Moirad there in uh, Amonish, they definitely seem to favour the hybrid version where you can do the written exam if you so desire, but you can also get the accredited grade if you so desire. And I think you take the best of the two, combination of both. The hybrid model shall we call it. The students or the teachers' unions very much seem to favour going back to the sit-down written exams and their explanation would seem to be, well, we don't like marking our own students because it's not exactly fair. So where are we going from there? Um, I've been talking to Olive O'Connor, who is with the group Parents and School Staff of Ireland about that and other issues. And we'll hear from her next. 0818 96 96 96. What do you think? Do you think that the students of 2022, the class of 2022, should they have a hybrid option? Should they go back to full written exams, sit down and do it? Or what? I think we are going to have a leave insert this year, but should it be the full written exam or a hybrid, a mix of accredited grades and written tests. Your thoughts, if you were doing it today, what would you prefer to do? 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Wayne Hilton. Wayne Hilton. On Cork's 96FM. Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend Survey. Have a go at the Wayne Teaser question. There's the latest celebrity goss. A look at what's happening around town. And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news. Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10 a.m. With Newmarket Motors Volkswagen. Where you can test drive the full Volkswagen range. Including the all-electric ID3 and ID4. See newmarketvolkswagen.ie. On Cork's 96FM. Olive, your letter uh, predates the reopening of the schools. Do I take from that that you actually didn't want them to reopen, but now that they are, we just have to get on with it? Oh, no, we we always wanted schools to open. We always want schools open. I mean, children need schools to be open. And um, the issue with us was the mitigation, the lack of mitigation, essentially, um, within our schools. They have been told for two years almost um, about the issues uh, within schools and mitigation and the lack of. And we all we were asking was to put them into place. I mean, in February 2021, we wrote a 300-page report highlighting all of the up-to-date evidence all of the policies, we sent that to government and to NEFIT, that was ignored. We wrote another letter um, in August 2021, again, that was ignored, and most recently, our up-to-date letter, and again, nothing done about that either. So we um, are not about closing schools, we're about keeping them open, but keeping them safe. Um, our remit that comes behind that is because we do know that children and school staff do get sick. Yeah. I mean, we don't have any data at all. Up to two weeks, like Two weeks ago, we've no data since two weeks on uh, children whatsoever. Um, but what we do know before Omicron, um, and this is up to the 22nd of December, is that one in eight children in Ireland have contracted COVID today. So that's 156,000 and more children have contracted COVID. Yeah. We don't know the data on long COVID, but we do know that it's between 2% and 50% of children will have lingering symptoms after it. 
we know that within schools, that out of all outbreaks of all sectors, including hospitals, schools have the highest number of outbreaks and the highest number of linked cases. And that was with the most limited contact tracing and in some instances, no contact tracing. We also know that over 800 children aged 0 to 14 have been hospitalised up to December. And as as of present, in the children's hospitals alone, there are 25 children in hospital right now and two of which are in ICU, which is extremely sad. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the mitigation measures that, that we all know about at this stage, we all know what, what should be there. Added to that is the fact that there's been no contact tracing worthy of the name since September. That doesn't make it easier for anybody else to know what's going on, let alone parents and students and teachers. Absolutely. It's a big issue. I mean, close contact tracing has been advised by the ECDC and the WHO and even across the world, CDC. We know close contact tracing is very, very important to identify cases so that more people won't get infected. We also know serial casing, um, as in mass testing, as in testing once or twice a week, all students and staff within a school um, to actually catch cases before they even get in. The fact that that hasn't happened it, it means, first of all, we can't rely on data that's given to us. But even with the data that we have, we know that um, schools are still coming out the highest on this. So you can't say that schools are completely safe. With other mitigations as well, um, contact tracing does need to start again as with serial testing. But we need to look at practical measures as well. Like, I mean, masks are for third class upwards. There's countries all across the EU where masks are recommended way younger than that. We need proper masks well, like FFP2, a little mm. bit of education around that. Um, now, Olive, in fairness with regard yeah. to the masks, when yeah. that came in uh, for yeah. the third class and up, there was uproar among a lot of parents. Yeah. I'm not yeah. putting a mask on my child. Did did you just, did you have that within your own group? Um, no, no, within our group. Our group are very much about looking at what, what how they educate the children on the benefits of masks as opposed to um, telling them they're a bad thing. Look, we're about parents' choices and we're also about staff's choices. We are, we're not going to say you, you must and everything else, but we are about safety first. I mean, you want to be protecting your child. A lot of people are not aware that COVID is not necessarily a respiratory disease, it's actually vascular. So, in other words, it, it goes through the blood vessels in the body and it can be multi-system organ damage. People are not that aware of it because yeah. it's not put out there. So, what we're aiming to do here is actually look at ways to prevent children getting sick. We see in Finland, long COVID, they're um, estimating that to be one of their big chronic conditions from now on. Ireland doesn't even collect data on long COVID. What we're, what we're trying to do is actually keep people safe and, yeah. and not just the children. We're talking about school staff. Like people, I'm part of a big WhatsApp group with uh, principals, uh, teachers, SMAs. And all I see through the threads all the time are, you know, and the children, and what can we do to keep them safe? And they rarely, if ever, talk about themselves. I mean, they are parents themselves. Uh-huh. They are siblings. They have elderly parents. They have family, young babies at home. They're entitled to worry about themselves. And people forget the humanity, the human behind the person that's looking after their children. Yeah. They're yeah. well entitled to worry about themselves, but they actually don't, and they sometimes need to be reminded yeah. it's okay to do that. So... I don't know of any other sector that would be okay to walk into a room with, you know, 20 or 30 children without masks, without proper head filtration, without the proper mitigations in place. They're putting themselves right there in a very unsafe position and they're willing to do so and have done so throughout this pandemic 
because they actually care about the children. Yeah. Olive, of course, the talk has begun again about the Leaving Cert. 2020, we know that went by the board. Last year, we had the hybrid model, which had its ups and its downs. The teachers' unions this year seem determined that there will be a, a proper, regular Leaving Cert. Some of the students are talking more about having hybrid again. I think you've got a youngster sitting leaving cert themselves this year. I do. I had one last year and I have one this year. And um, essentially, um, like from, I'll speak from my own personal perspective and not on behalf of our group, essentially. But what I would see is, with a lot of time, my my children unfortunately got COVID um, a few months ago and uh, three of them are still left with lingering symptoms, which we will call long COVID, post-COVID. Um, and so they, they were very, very sick with COVID. Um, unfortunately, including my youngest, who's age four. And when I'm looking at the leaving cert, and I'm thinking, prior to this, my kids had chronic conditions and they've missed out a lot of time because of that anyway. So the leaving cert model anyway has, in my opinion, has always needed to be overhauled um, in, in many regards. And what I'd be looking at and saying, look, we need open access to college. I mean, Simon Harris said last year, we looked at 24 million uh, to increase spaces within college, uh, to get to give it to get let more people in. This year again, we're in a situation just like last year yeah. and the year before, and we have a very different situation this year in that there are so many school staff who are now actually sick; they're not even in the classrooms. So you leave and start going into school, the teachers aren't there; they can't even do uh, blended learning or remote learning because they're not there to do it, and yeah. they're doing well themselves. So what I would be saying is the first thing. Bring the students and the teachers to the table. Now, when they say they meet with them, they meet with the unions in, like on an online uh, Zoom meeting. They're not actually bringing them to the table to actually listen to them um, in, a, in a collaborative manner to actually hear what they have to say and yeah. how to, to get a solution. I'm very supportive of students, and I think their voice has been missing in all of this, to be quite yeah. honest. The, the Secondary um, School Students' yeah. Union is yeah. holding a ballot, I think, at the moment, yeah. or holding a survey. Yeah. How important yeah. is it that we listen to what they say? It is extremely important. This is about children. The whole thing is about children and looking at them holistically about their physical safety in relation to COVID but their mental health and that's in relation to sitting major exams during the pandemic and also to allow them to progress to move on to next level uh, so that they can you know be their best selves we, we need to be listening to our students and all the staff I talk to they are so supportive of the students as well but they're also in a dilemma where how are we actually going to practically do this mm. while we're all sick too. It's, it's, it's a very difficult situation and again it comes back to the department knew all this. They've, been, they've known this for two years. They've done nothing for literally two years and have done the exact same thing, followed the same pattern and left everybody in the same situation. As we speak five months from today this is the 11th of January as we yeah. speak five months from today the Leaving Cert will be underway in whatever form yeah. it takes. How quickly must the Minister and the Department act here and make a decision? Yesterday. It's not even a today. So this needs to be done right now. They need to figure this out. And they need to work with Simon Harris as well to figure out, is there a possibility where there can be exams, entrance exams into the colleges or whatever the case might be. The leaving certainly needs to be overhauled anyway. But right now, we need to be listening to our students. We need to be listening to our staff. What is practical? What is in the best interest of students? And what is the safest thing to do? And that's the way I would see it. And as I said, like, you know, we're talking about leaving cert, going back to primary school. 
there are, and, and other skills in relation to even ventilation. There are lots of practical things that can't be done right now, such as, you know, um, if, if there is a possibility of using local buildings with bigger spaces, if there's a possibility of, you know, getting rid of the school jacket policy and letting kids wear their own warm jackets into classrooms, uh, increasing the funds for heating for schools, a lot of schools are, are stuck to a budget and they're, you know, they actually don't have money to even increase their heating. Um, there's loads of practical things um, that can be done. And um, again, reducing class sizes, yeah. brings down CO2 levels. Um, so, but like remote learning has never been an option really there for many students, including very high-risk students. There's a great group called Forgotten Families and they are very, very high-risk families and the option for remote learning wasn't there for many of yeah. them. Again, down to the department and they just were not listening in those situations. So we need to figure out a way and a means uh, to get through this, to keep our schools open, but keep them open safely. Olaf, I'll leave it there for today. And thank you very much for being with us on the Opinion Line. Not at all. And thank you so much for having me as well. I appreciate it. That's Olaf O'Connor of Parents and School Staff of Ireland. Catherine, is it? I'm going to move my screen. Yes, Catherine, it should not be all down to a two-hour exam. I remember my own leaving cert. It was the most stressful day of my life before or since. I have two going through the education system. Now I know the stress in front of them. It's ridiculous. We need some kind of blended system. High time we moved beyond this archaic process. Kate says, not only should the final exam in school be based on your coursework during the senior cycle, we need to base this on the pupil's display of brain power over the entire six years across all aspects of life. We need rounded people with a rounded education and rounded qualifications to prepare them for life. And Mary, who was on at me there on the phone while I go, phoned back with an additional point to make. She said, students this year will be competing with those who had grade inflated points last year, but deferred their college place. And that's a big worry too. That's a, yeah, it's kind of a complex mishmash of how the numbers work. But there were people who got places last year and deferred and are holding off and they'll go into the mix for this year and the people who do an exam or do a hybrid, do do whatever, they'll be effectively competing with people from the year before for place. It's all a mess. And what I think, I get the feeling anyway, I don't know about you, but I get the feeling from everybody from the group there that Olive speaks for, for the teachers' unions, from the students out in Clush to Eamon Reish, that Maureen went out and spoke to. They want a decision. They want something to be set down, written down, and decided quickly with, with less than five months to the start of the leaving search. Uh, traffic in Toker is another issue. Please find out if any solution can be made to the big problem that's ongoing every morning in Toker at the traffic lights by the Centra roundabout. 15 minutes to get through it this morning. That's the one. Oh, I know her. That's down near the old hotel that's now, is it now a, an old folks home? Is that the one, the, the, the Dean Rock, is it the Dean Rock Hotel? And there's a big Centra there and there's a roundabout. That's, yeah. Uh, oh, that's a disaster. That is a disaster, that place. Every morning, 15 minutes, a couple of schools up there as well. Every morning, 15 minutes or so. Anybody listening? Any of our councillors? 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk?
The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Let me show you what it's all about. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Nothing but your favourite tunes from the biggest names all afternoon long. Hi, Ed Sheeran here. Hi. This is Adele. Hey, it's me, Justin Bieber. If it's happening in Cork or trending online, I'm bringing it to you first. And as always, a chance for you to win big. Woohoo! Thanks so much. I'm yes. going to send you to go see him. Well done! Oh my God, thank you so much. Oh, Let me show you what it's all about. Send me Simon Murdoch, midday to 4 p.m. on Cork's 96 FM. I'll give you that story in a minute about Nana wanting to get paid to mind the children. I wonder what you think about it. But first, we've all seen in the movies, in the cop movies or the cop shows or the gangster movies, a tracker device being planked onto a car. You've seen it. You've seen a hundred shows where they've done a plank magnetic sticking on the back of the car. James Bond does it and is in Narcos and all those cop shows. They're expensive, yokes. Very expensive. And then you have to follow the person before it goes so it doesn't go out of range if you ever watched say um, Criminal Minds or any one of those shows they have to attach it and then follow it and keep it in range and all that kind of thing but nowadays thanks to a thing called an Apple AirTag you don't have to follow so closely Uh, technology has taken over the equation and does it all for you but typical of technology it falls into the wrong hands. Um, and perverts, stalkers, car thieves, of course, are taking note of this. Drug barons and people like that. Um, we were in touch with a listener who suspects their phone was air-tagged. Uh, Avril Ronan joins me. Avril, of course, from Trend Micro. Avril, these are little things that you attach them to a, a key ring or you stick them into your handbag and you can't lose your keys, lose your handbag. But typical of all new technology, it's it's being put to the wrong use. Good morning. It is, like everything else. Uh, when it comes to technology, PJ can be used for benefit or abused. And um, I think the value of our conversation this morning is for everyone out there listening to be aware of an AirTag, what it is. Mm, yeah. And tiles as well as another one for Android and Apple. Yeah. They're, they're um, small. No they're, hard- they're not the size of the, the, the disc you put into the trolley to yeah. do your shopping, it's like no? a key fob. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so if you think about your, your bike that you would die if something happened to us, you can actually discreetly hide an air tag in under the saddle and if that bike ever gets stolen you can track it to see where it's gone. Mm-hmm. The same with your wallet, you can get a car- it can be slipped into a card, you can buy it with a card so it looks like a credit card and the air tag is in it and you can slip it into your wallet so if, ever, if you're like me and you lose everything your wallet, you can find it on the app on your phone. Mm-hmm. The same with your keys, if you lose your keys all the time um, uh, some people, I mean, it can be used for a variety of things, Um and very useful. And uh, cars as well. You can put it in your car just in case it was ever stolen. You can track it straight away. Yeah. But here's how it works. Okay, so AirTag is it gives out a Bluetooth signal. Right. And it and the beauty of the this being with Apple is that Apple's network has a billion devices connected to it all around the world. So um, I, I'm just going to explain how it works. Right. So say you post the AirTag on your keys and you lose your keys. Okay. You go into Find My on your phone. 
and you you try you find your air tag and it'll tell you where it is. Yeah. What's happening is now say you left your keys in the supermarket. Yeah. What this what the air tag is going to do is it's sending off a Bluetooth signal and it's connecting with any Apple device in the store. Right. And those devices will send back to Apple's network. They're bouncing the, the signal. Exactly. The, right, okay. Uh, now, obviously, this is all done discreetly, uh, anonymous and encrypted to protect privacy and everything. But the cloud network knows where it is. And then that sends an, a signal to the owner of the AirTag, which is you, to say, oh, your keys are in this location and to geotag it and tell you exactly where, where okay. it is. That's a bit like so, find my iPhone, isn't it? Exactly. It's the exact same thing. Right. Uh, and can be used, uh, you know, and if it's a thing... Say you're on the beach and you lost your keys and you now know where the location but you still can't see it, you can actually get it to make a sound. It can actually make a sound so you can hear it as well to try and help you locate it. Um, So a lot of benefits, but what can happen um, if it gets into the wrong hands and someone decides, these things cost about €35 in the Apple Store. Um, And uh, people can maybe drop it in under the hub up over the wheel of your car if they fancy the car and, and decide that this is something that they want to take, or it could be a bicycle. Um, well, they won't use a bicycle, that's what we use it for, sorry. Um, we use it to protect our bike, but um, uh, then they literally track it and they decide then when they want to take it, or if it's somebody that they're stalking, as you say, it can be used to track somebody down, PJ. Okay, okay. So and what do you do? Yeah. It's good technology, very useful, but in the wrong hands. I'm thinking in terms particularly of um, something like a, a controlling spouse um, could or partner could, could yeah. drop one into the behind the license plate of their other half's car and they always know where they are and your privacy's gone to, gone, gone to pot. Or strangers who want to stalk mm. you. We hear an awful lot about strangers stalking in America now. I'm not sure if it's such a big thing here. Um, but strangers talking very big in America. I was watching a piece about it the other night on the news or some documentary mm. or other. Um, so something that is very handy c- could be used by any kind of a yeah. kind of a, a difficult. So how do you how do you combat that? Is there a way? Yeah, there is, there's a few ways. Now it's not foolproof, but the first thing is if you find the air tag, you take the battery off it at the back. You twist it anti-clockwise, take the battery out. It doesn't work. Right. These batteries last 12, 12 months. So it doesn't have to get charged or anything. Um, So you just take the battery out. Um, And on the battery, the back of it, there's a serial number. And when you buy an AirTag, it's actually registered to um, you as your Apple ID. So you bring that then to the guards. You bring it to the guards and the guardie can contact Apple. And Apple, if they have the serial number, can provide the serial number and Apple ID to the Gardaí or court of law, it would obviously have to go through because of privacy and data protection and the protection of people and the owners of the AirTag, it would have to go through the courts um, mm-hmm. for that. So it's a and, long and is there any way, I know some people might use them very legitimately, um, yeah. but is there any way for me, say, to sit in this room here, which is what, 10 by 10 by 10, whatever, and find all the AirTags in the room? Is there any way for me to do that? Well, okay, so you, if so, for example, this person um, that uh, was the ha- that's why we're having this call this morning, um, she actually got a notification. So, if there's an air tag that's not yours and it seems to be traveling around with you, your iPhone will tell you it'll, it'll you'll get a pop up message saying air tag found moving with you. The location of the air tag can be seen by the owner, 
And that is probably one of the most creepiest things you'll ever get on your phone. Yeah. That there is something constantly travelling around with you. And um, how Apple have tried to combat this is um, the this is the mess you will get a message if it's traveling around that's what that's what they're doing um and they also will um do it within the first 24 hours at random um it used to be three days now it's within 28 to 24 hours that you will get that notice and yeah. um, so you're notified that there is something traveling around with you and that then means that that should trigger for you suspicion Right. This is not right. This is there's something wrong here, and then um, you know the first thing you need to do is find it. So right. you need to search everything. It could be the lining of your handbag, the lining of your coat. It could be, you know, you're driving around in your car. It could be in your car. It could be outside your car, but hidden underneath somewhere. Um, but you are notified, and um, yeah. I'm I'm hearing that I'm told that popular places are if you have a a, a cap on your fuel, you know, that in the the little door that opens. Yeah. They're sometimes hidden in there or mm. up under the up under the registration plate. Yeah, it could be anywhere, and it's so small. You see, that's the worrying part. Yeah. So um, I know uh, I was talking to Fergal earlier as well, and I I advise that lady to, you know, CCTV is obviously a great thing if you can narrow it down to exactly when it happened, yeah. um, and if you can get help with CCTV. And the other thing then is get that car up in a pit and have a look all around inside and out, turn it upside down. Yeah, Pri- private, detecti- private detectives, of course, use scanners and, and all that yeah. kind of stuff, and they can pick this, the, the, the thing up. I suppose if you're really worried, you should probably contact a, a private investigator or, or, or go to the guards. Do, do, I mean, do the guards, I don't know whether you know this or not, Avril, do the guards have technology that can find these things? I, I don't know, but my guess would be they don't, and they would tell you to contact Apple directly. But if you don't have the serial number of the AirTag, meaning you can't find the AirTag, yeah. you're, you're at a loss. Um, and the thing is, if you have an Android device, yes. you're not going to get that notification. Yeah, Samsung so, do them as well, don't they? They do something similar. There's a tile for Android and app, yeah, but uh, you can actually download an app um, that Apple put out there called um, Tracker Detect, and that on your Android device will... But you have to go into the app, and you have to do an actual scan to see if there's anything following you. So you'd you'd have to be suspicious that someone might be stalking you or someone might be tracking you, and you can download that then. There's loads of them, but Tracker Detect is the one from Apple okay. in relation to the AirTags. But, I mean, PJ, this all comes down to your privacy and your safety. And before any AirTag, it's great that we're talking about it. But, again, it comes back to privacy. And, you know, if you have a device, and all of us do, make sure you go into your settings and set your privacy up. Friends only. Turn off location services on things you don't need. I mean, if you have Snapchat on on your device and you have the map on for everyone to see publicly, that's as good as an AirTag. Anyone can see you. Yeah. So, you know, it comes down to your, the choices you make, the privacy and safety settings. They're on our devices. You just have to play around and find them, lock everything down. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you need location services for things like Google Maps or it's not going to work for you. Um, and your password, you know, yeah. long, strong passwords yeah. so people can't hack in. Antivirus software on your device, anti-malware, it's called these days. Yeah. If there's anything, if there's spyware on your device, it's going to be tracking you. On your device, you, 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 you kind of can't be careful enough, can you? I no. think what, what we really have the conversation about was was awareness, Avril, which I think we've done, which is great, and thank you for that. That's Avril Ronan from Trend Micro. Air tags, very handy things. Um, you know, women put them into their handbags, fellas put them into their wallets, T- attach them to your keys. You'll never lose them.
problem is other people can find you that you mightn't want them to find you and they can slip one of these things into your jacket or your wallet or whatever and they know where you are and they can find you and follow you it's 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 great technology but it's a a tad sinister thank you avril 0818 96 96 96 remember yesterday i read a a note from john in cove he wanted to call attention to the situation in st coleman's cemetery the condition of the place wasn't great. A lot of litter and dumping. Vehicles driving around it like it was Mandela Park. Elderly people very nervous because they're walking around and it's dangerous. And there seems to be a lack of clarity about who should do what and when, John was suggesting. Graves having the concrete dug up for another coffin to go in. Then the rubble left aside, not being taken away. Nobody seems to be closing the gates when work is finished. And John just had a, a kind of a litany of complaint about the situation at St. Coleman's Cemetery. He said he'd brought them to the issues of the clergy or to the attention of the clergy, but nothing had happened. Now I can tell you, he was one of several complainants uh, because he triggered more people to come to us. Uh, some of them were far more angry and and far less considered, as it was in their words, than John. And we did promise to contact the bishop's office, but we were contacted before we got a chance to do that by a member of the committee that's trying to rejuvenate the graveyard and do it up and they said look lots done more to do they're short of funds they felt they were being treated unfairly by us bringing it up or anybody else bringing it up and then we were contacted by councillor Cahill Rasmussen of the Labour Party who I think the the committee contacted you Cahill uh, because you're familiar with the situation good morning Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. And thanks. Give me the opportunity to come on. Yeah, look, I, I suppose, look, if I give you a bit of background to St. Coleman's, really, just to put things in context, I suppose, look, St. Coleman's was 90 years old last year, and I suppose uh, it was a voluntary committee set up, I'd say, probably 18 months ago, approximately, because they had concerns about, you know, the graveyard hadn't been looked after as maybe as well as it could be, mainly because, like all things, volunteers normally do these things. And there was, there was a gentleman there that was working there, but unfortunately he was only there a couple of hours a week. Yeah. So this committee got involved to see what could be done, what needed to be done. And I suppose, to be fair to them, they've worked very closely with the local undertaker and with the clergy and with the, with the, the church's permission. Uh-huh. They, had a, they, they raised some funds, and I suppose... They, they looked at the graveyard and said there's a number of phases that need to be dealt with in the graveyard. So phase one really was to get the, you know, the everyday cutting of the grass, the strimming, all that kind of stuff that needed to be done on an ongoing basis. So they were lucky that they were able to get um, a caretaker on 19 hours a week through community mm-hmm. employment scheme, yeah. which, which was great. So that was, that was step one. And then at the same time, they identified there was a lot of rubble there, historical rubble behind a lot of graves and stuff like that, you know, like a lot of old graveyards. So the next phase then was that they brought in a contractor because it was a heavy job to do. And at the Wilmont Avenue side of the graveyard behind a lot of graves, they took out nearly 80 to 100 tonne, I think, Mm. in the end of of stone and rubble. And I've sent photographs to Fergal just yes, to show you that was, what, yeah. that, that was and, and there's been a huge improvement. You know, they, they, they were doing things like um, um, sorting out the grass, the shrubs, the hedging, all that. And at the same time then, there had to be a longer-term plan because, you know, at the end of the day, the graveyard, there, was an, there is an area in the graveyard there which needs to be developed and the boundaries where rubble was being stored what is and was unsightly. So they also got Calvary painted, you know, mm. for the Mass in September, and they got the front walls, pay, uh, 
po- polished and washed and all that kind of stuff. So an awful lot of work has been done. But there is, as, as your committee member, the Rang, has said, there is more to be done. Yeah. And Just, I suppose is, it, is it, sorry, Cahill, is it the church yeah, okay. or is it the council is responsible for day-to-day maintenance? Yeah, no, this this is owned by the, by the Catholic Church. There are two other graveyards in Cove owned by the, the council, but this is specifically owned by the church. And I suppose, PJ, to be fair to the church, um, we, in the old days we always had six, seven, eight priests. Now we're down to three and the bishop. Um, and as a result, that puts extra pressures. Going back a few years ago, it was the lo- one of the local priests who cut the grass. So that'll tell you the context where we're coming from. But I'd like to address maybe some of the concerns that John had raised, because I think it is important that, you know, wild, you know, some people have rang in and you know had concerns. There's many, many other people have contacted the, the, the church and the committee to, to thank them for the hard work. And in conjunction with that, this is a community effort, really. You know, the graveyard is very important to us all. It's a very peaceful and a reflective place for people to go. And, you know, people have got involved and they're starting to clean up their own graves now because, you know, people have a sense of pride. But in relation to the driving and stuff like that, what has actually happened is there are two main entrances to the, to the graveyard. Mm. One of them is for the, the grave diggers down on the Ballyleary side. And what is happening is that a lot of people mainly elderly people who need to get into close to their uh, family graves which they're quite entitled to do they drive in carefully like all do and park as close as they can I've never heard I have to be straight with you I've never heard a complaint from anybody to say that young people are driving in there and driving around in that sense not saying they're not doing it mm. okay but I've, I've never seen that but one of the issues that did arise before Christmas was that the grass was very soft in certain areas so the committee put up some small signage just to advise people you know don't go past certain points because the grass was too soft um, but I saw I suppose in that context that that is where it is at the same time then an individual decided to lock that gate that I'm talking about, which caused huge concerns. There was a big outcry about that. and well, just took it upon themselves, Cahill, was it? To, correct. Took it upon themselves without any uh, permission from the church or anybody. And at the end of the day, the only people that have permission to do anything there is through the, the church itself. And the church arranged through the committee to get the, the locks t- uh, cut off. And the, the church have asked me to say to whoever that person is, if they have a genuine issue please contact the church in writing because I know some people have rang the, the, the parish office but I suppose like everything PJ you need something in writing really and you need to be able to sit down and talk to somebody if there is an issue about that so there is no issue about cars being allowed to drive in once they're done safely because elderly people you know have to be able yeah. to get access to their family graves yeah. all that kind of stuff in relation to rubbish and stuff like that just before Christmas the um, committee brought in an extra skip to help because over the Christmas period, like we all do, we all visit our family graves, that's, that's normal, and a lot of rub, you know, people would be changing flowers on graves. During that period, somebody put in bottles and some boxes from a fast food restaurant or whatever, but I, I have to be honest with you, that, that graveyard is kind of, people take a shortcut, they go in one gate, out the other gate to get down a side road. So what I would say is I've never, ever heard of any antisocial behaviour there. The committee are working very, very hard. Right. They are open to suggestions from people, and there, there are plans for more changes okay. to be done in the, in, the, in the very near future in relation to where the rubble will be stored, where flowers will be stored in bonded areas, to bring things more in, in control in that sense. But in, in general, the graveyard, I would have to say, has improved an awful lot. And I think, as, as, you're, as you said at the start, some work done, much more to do, okay. and I think that's a fair, fair assessment. All right, listen, I appreciate that a very comprehensive look at the queries raised by John. Thank you. That's Labour Party Councillor Cahill 
Rasmussen, who's a member of the Cove Municipal District. Uh, thank you, Cahill. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. I can't say who, but I was tipped during the news that perhaps I should look at the Apple website to see what it says about AirTags. And it says that AirTags are not for tracking stolen items, but in fact for finding lost property. Uh, Anyone using an AirTag or intending to use an AirTag or buy an AirTag or thinking about adding an AirTag to their gadget list should perhaps look at the Apple website where they have quite a lot of detail there uh, with regard to their use, uh, right and wrong. We did have a call from someone who had it happen to a person in the family. Uh, They they feel that they were being scanned or being tracked. Uh, The guards finally scanned and found the tag. Uh, They do have kit, but uh, they took a bit of persuasion to do it, but they eventually did scan and found the tag. So uh, thank you for that. 0818 96 96 96 0818 96 96 96 is our number. I'll do this now because I'll forget. Uh, I mentioned at the very top of the programme the question if Nana is minding the children or Granda is minding the children should they expect to get paid? This is a story from the UK where a woman who who says she was hurt when her mom demanded money for looking after her son, despite the fact that mom lives with them for free. The Mum's Net website has a section called Am I Being Unreasonable? It's one of these forums, Am I Being Unreasonable? She said her mother had been living with her and her husband for the past year to help out with the child. And she'd helped out a lot, in fairness. Um, but but then she said that she now wanted money for looking after her grandson. Now she's living with them for free uh, with the last 12 months. Everything seemed to be going grand. All tickety-boo and above board. But now she said she wants to be paid for looking after the child and is upset that they haven't paid her at all. To which the woman said, well, she didn't say she expected payment in the first place. She lives with them for free. Uh, She's gone on holidays with them more than once. She's divorced, single and retired. So it's not like she's been missing out on any income anyway. The woman said, I'm hurt. She feels this way. Paying her feels like a transaction. Why should she be paid to mind her own grandchild? more than happy to give her some expenses when they come up but look if she wants payment then I might as well take them to a nursery I was wondering about that a lot of people commenting said the mother was being unreasonable and asking for for payment given that she lives there for free but there you go and there's probably hundreds of nanas and grandas minding 
youngsters and smallies, picking them up after school, giving them their lunch, that kind of thing. Hundreds of... Would you ever expect to pay Nana or Grandad to mind the child? Or has Nana or Grandad ever asked for a consideration, as it were? Other than, look, here, bring him to lunch or whatever, or you need to buy anything for lunch, there's a few quid, bring, that kind of thing. What would you think? It's a strange one. I've never thought, I've never heard it before. So if Nana or Grandad are minding the children, picking them up from school, giving them a bit of lunch, maybe taking them to the playground, that kind of thing, you know yourself now. Should they be paid for it? Or should there be a consideration? Your thoughts are welcome. It's, it's, thank God it's long time over since we had that. What do you think? Oh, eight, one, eight, 96, 96, 96. Just on that central roundabout in Toker. Hi, guys. This is Aaron. He says, yeah, uh, they're annoying. Their roadworks go on for ages and they've started working through the night lately. There's a ridiculous, his word, stop go system in place. And people stuck in the traffic seem to think that by holding their horn down, it'll move faster. I was wondering if you could post something requesting people to have a bit of cop on and not hold their horns down in a residential area. Many thanks, says Aaron. <laughs> Stacy, uh, Stacy's called the opinion lines at five. It is five. Stacy, you've you're a leaving cert candidate, and you reckon yeah. predicted grades are the only option. Why would that be? Um, well, first of all, I'd like to preface, so thank you so much for having me on air. I truly appreciate it. No and it's, um, Could you get a tiny bit closer to the phone, Stacey, if you would? Um, yeah, of course. Just Is this any better? That's better. Go ahead, yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, and thank you for giving me an outlet to actually voice my opinion. Um, it seems nowadays it's becoming more and more difficult for the youth of Berlin to have an outlet to face their opinion with. Um, but I suppose... In regards to the way you phrased it, I don't truly feel that it's the only option. I do feel as though predicted grades, the hybrid model, as the TDs are now calling it, um, from last year, is the most ideal situation for leaving starts this year. Um, and to put it simply, um, I think that it's not right to go into a normal leaving cert in a time where the world isn't normal, um, specifically Ireland, I suppose. Um, and my biggest thought behind this, I suppose, the biggest reasoning I have for this is, if you look at it this way, right, there is one leaving our paper. And let's say, thankfully, myself, I have not been, in sixth year this year, I've not been in close contact, I've not gotten COVID, I've been very, very lucky to be in peak health condition. But in saying that, there's a lot of my friends and a lot of people I know throughout the country because I've been in talking to people and getting feedback about this so I was sure before I came on air about what I was saying. Mm. A lot of people have missed countless, countless days of school due to the fact that they're a close contact or even have COVID themselves. And on top of this, I suppose you need to realise as well, a lot of people, students, didn't end up going for the vaccination. So if you're not vaccinated... Question if I'm wrong, I believe it's actually a longer time you must do for a close contact in comparison mm, to people is, that yeah. are vaccinated. Is, yeah. Yeah. So, although I understand that people are taking that decision to not be vaccinated, they're missing out on extra days of school. So, what I'm trying to get to is somebody as me who has missed no days of school, thankfully, and somebody who's missed countless days of school, to no fault of their own, will have to sit the same leaving, sir. 
So that's where my problem lies. Mm. Because how can you expect somebody who has the thankfulness and was so lucky to not have gotten COVID or contracted or been in close contact in comparison to a person who's been out countless times due to contracting it or being in close contact with mm. the same paper? Um, and another problem, I suppose, you've all heard it countless times. There are countless American teachers out at the moment. And I can not only say over the country, but even in my own school, yeah. um, there was actually a teacher who was out three weeks, a maths teacher, for a leaving third class. Like, I just don't think it's feasible. I don't think it's sustainable to have teachers out for extended amounts of periods. And to just simply think that posting work on a classroom, like an online classroom, such as Teams, if there are any leaving star students listening, and for those of you who might interpret that, it's kind of like a platform where yeah. teachers can post homework. Um, yeah. I don't think that's sustainable to have teachers post homework on that and simply think that that's okay. I've also started an Instagram page, and I know <laughs> the older people listening might be like, oh, in all fairness, Instagram page, what is that going to do? But, um, well, they're out of touch if they think that's Stacey because it's the biggest <laughs> thing in the world right now. They're in TikTok. Yeah. yeah, 100% it seems to be. And that's why I actually engaged because I thought, look, if I want to actually, if I want to in their feedback, I want to speak to them on a platform that they're going to be connected on. So I've heard countless stories on this Instagram page that I serve with a load of other girls um, across Ireland that a lot of people, once again, a lot of teachers are out, a lot of close contacts, so they can't come in. A lot of people have gotten COVID, so they can't come in. And I know I'm just kind of repeating the run-of-the-mill things that we've already heard in regards to this okay. discourse. Okay. Um, and I think a point that hasn't really been spoken about, I'm sorry, I'm kind of going on and on. No, no, but, um, on, you're fine. The one point that I think a lot of people don't think about because it's in regards to the future is the fact somebody who might have sat there leaving search pre-COVID 2019 right and I'm going to set mine in 2022 regardless of what points I get or they get say now I have many factors working against me when we go we might possibly go for the same job in years and years to come and I think people really they don't understand how important a leaving cert is these days. Like, if me and a candidate are going and running for the same position of a job, and if we're tied, if the employer can't really decide who to go for, ultimately, they will look back at my leaving cert. So no matter what, I am at a disadvantage in comparison to the leaving cert candidate from 2019. And fundamentally, no matter what the government do, I don't think they can rectify that disadvantage that I'm put at. So that's the reason why I think predicted grades the option of it, the hybrid model, yeah. would be the ideal solution. Yeah. And would there be certain subjects that you'd be more confident about sitting the written paper in and certain subjects that you'd prefer to take the, the predicted grades yourself now? Yeah, 100%. Look, and I'm, I'm not naive, that is a major benefit to it. Um, it's not the only benefit, but it is a major benefit. Myself, I'm much more of an arts-oriented person, kind of Irish history lenient. So for me, it would definitely be the likes of math that I'd be hoping to not have to sit. Or on the flip side of it, people who are dependent on maths for the extra 25 points, if any of you listening are familiar with that. Yeah. If they're not that great at maths throughout the year, they could really, and their predicted grades would reflect that, that they weren't performing that well at maths. They could ultimately decide to sit the paper, cram a couple of weeks before, and then they'd get the benefit of having not only the predicted grades option, but the SAS option. Yeah, and and maybe a question, Stacey, if I could ask you, because it's a long time since I did my leaving cert, I'm sure you know. (laughs) Um, Like, 
so you get your 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 predicted grade and you mm-hmm. get your written paper do you get yeah. both in each subject like if you sit this if you let's for example say you sit irish mm-hmm. you sit honors irish or whatever you're going to sit and you, and you yeah. do your exam paper and then mm-hmm. you get an assessed grade for the same subject are you allowed to decide which one you take or do you automatically get the best of the two Well, that also last year because I was only failure. So what I'm actually after gathering from that is that what the Department of Education and SCs actually decided on was each person, if whether you said it's sad or they did, let's say oh, that, line, that line is cracking up on us now. I was just getting into that question with you. The line is yeah. cracking up. Um, oh, sorry, sorry. No, fine. Maybe this is clearer now. Yeah. Do you think you get? Do you get the best of the two? Yeah, yeah. Essentially, sorry, I'm rambling. Essentially, oh, it's okay. Fine. The best of the two. <laughs> they told the me. They told me you were nervous. God, if this is nervous, you're doing well. You know yourself now. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, I know that at times radio can be quite controversial, but um, I can't say. I just wanted to make have a platform, and sometimes he offered me were one to maybe put out an opinion that because my mum actually said it to me when I was talking to her about it. She said, "Stacey, like a lot of people, if they don't have kids in leaving cert and they don't have relatives in leaving cert, yeah. why would they be thinking about it?" So that's why I'm so thankful no, to you. You're dead right. You're dead right. You're dead, and you're doing a, you've done a super job. So for you, anyway, and you're heading into is it the 9th of June? Um, I believe. So. Yeah, that's 149 days. So 149 days away. Uh, yeah. You, you, I think what I think, to finish, I think, Stacey, what you want, I think you want the the, 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 the the government or the department or so make a decision and tell us what it is. Isn't that important? Yeah, a thousand percent, and you worded it brilliantly. I think a lot of it is the lack of clarity that leaving us are, you know, finding so much stress from the situation because of that. Um, and I feel like as... And I understand that the older people are making the decisions and they're the people in government and why should they have to refer back to a load of teenagers? But we're the ones going to be sitting the exam, so to have that bit of clarity would be very much appreciated. And that's not solely for me, I suppose. That's solely for the people I've also heard back from. Um, and I think the Instagram page that I've set up is currently at 800 followers or something yes. like that. And I've heard countless feedback. What's the name from- of that page, Dave? Yeah, it's um, it's leaving dot underscore cert twenty twenty two. Leaving dot underscore cert. Yeah, twenty twenty two. Twenty two twenty 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 two. Yeah. Well, people can go and find that. Uh, we have uh, someone on the phone saying any employer would give you a job after that interview. You've done so well at putting your point. Oh my God, that is just absolutely so touching. Here, thank you so much, and thank to everyone for listening in. I really do appreciate that. Okay, great talking to you, Stacey, and good luck when it comes around, and who knows, we might even talk between now and then again. Leaving dot underscore cert 2022 is the Insta page. 149 days to the start of the Leaving Cert. And I think the message is very clear. No matter what they decide to do, I'm not qualified to tell them what to do. Stacey's not qualified to tell them what to do. She wants her point listened to. They need to make a decision. 149 days to go. They need to make a decision so that the people can prepare for the Leaving Cert of 2022. 0818 
96, 96, 96. On that story to do with Nana minding the children and wondering can she get paid for it. If she's living with them, she should be giving them rent. And then they give back to her for looking after the child. But in general, grandparents should be given something in recognition for what they're doing if they are minding their grandchildren. Your thoughts welcome. If Nana or Granda are minding the smallies while you're at work or out or whatever, should he or she be paid in this modern world of ours? 0818-969696. Staying with schools next, but just how much CCTV in a school is justified, if any. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM. Now you could understand why schools would use CCTV systems for security, for safety and all those things. But where do you draw the line between protecting the school as an entity and a property and its surrounding yards and stuff as an entity and watching students. They did research at the University of Salford in the UK and the general finding among those that they surveyed anyway was that students in schools in the UK are now as frequently monitored as inmates in prison or passengers at airports and people are becoming increasingly concerned about the level of security and the level of surveillance. Like in the Belfast Royal Academy, they had to take cameras out last September. Now, the cameras were in the boys' toilets. Now, the minute I hear of cameras in toilets, I'm getting concerned. Jennifer Horgan has been writing about this in the Irish Times. Jen, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. The minute I read that they're thinking about putting cameras in toilets, I am getting worried. Yeah, no, I think, so there was that, uh, it happened in Belfast, it also happened in a school in Wicklow, I believe, about 10 years ago. Um, it is concerning, I think probably what happened, if you think about it, the toilets are the only unsupervised space really in a in a school, um, and often, you know, things will go on in toilets. Um, I imagine that the cameras weren't in the cubicles, you know, um, but yes, it, it seems to be a step too far in terms of um, individual rights, you know, um, and that tension is always there when you've cameras involved. To what extent are schools using? You can appreciate a school wants to keep its own actual property. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And building safe. Yeah. But how much so, surveillance of kids are they allowed to do? Well, there are, so most schools will have a policy, like a, a data policy that includes their use of CCTV. So schools aren't being, you know, untoward about it. They're not hiding it in any way. Um, and I think for the most part, the intention is very good. It is about safety. It's about, um, yeah, just keeping the staff and students safe. Um, but it's been used more frequently now in post-primary particularly um, in regard to behaviour. So it's definitely being used to monitor student behaviour and it's been used to combat things like bullying, truancy, vandalism. Um, and often if there's, you know, a, a, some kind of misconduct, the cameras will be consulted, you know, first off. Um, mm. And the evidence is then used uh, to discipline the children. How comfortable are you with that? I'm very split. Um, I hear examples of it being used very well. Um, for instance, there's one story I heard recently of a, a, a student who who left the building um, and had suicidal ideation, and um, the school caught it and was able to, you know, protect the child. Um, so there are, of course, positives. Um, it helps, you know, let's say if if something is damaged, if the school property is damaged by a student, to actually identify who was involved is very helpful. Um, but on the other hand, um, I'm not sure if a school should be acting, you know, like uh, policing students. So I get a little bit uncomfortable because I worry then that what might happen is the student will be suspended, let's say, um, very rarely expelled, but suspended. And then this might set off a sort of a, a chain reaction of further criminality down the line. And there, are, there is a lot of research to suggest that's the case. Um, whereas if the child was dealt with in maybe a softer way, um, you know, there may be more time given to the child for support. Um, yeah, so it's, it's it's a difficult one. And I suppose the reason I wrote the article was just to, to start a conversation because I think communication is key. Yeah. So if the students are informed and they know that it's, the cameras are there to protect them and they're on site and they're on board, I think it's a different thing. Uh, there's evidence as well in, in, in international research that students from lower socioeconomic backgrounds can feel very uncomfortable. So, you know, that, that they feel intimidated, they feel like they're being watched. So, yeah. Do you I think, think the, pa- the students and indeed their parents are entitled to know, A, that they are on camera and B, where the cameras are? Oh, absolutely, and they should be. So every camera should have a sign. Um, an impact statement should be carried out before the installation of the cameras. Um, the Board of Management is meant to kind of continually check the use of the cameras and to make sure, that the words of Hilary Tracy, who's a data protection advisor for schools, she says each camera needs to be justifiable, necessary, proportionate and reasonable. Mm. So we shouldn't really be seeing 
cameras at every possible corner, you know. The cameras should be there because there's some kind of past, there's history of, of, of something going on. Or um, So I, I just think we do... Do you know, all, I'm sorry, do you, do you, Jennifer, do you, do you know if the Department of Education, for example, lays down guidelines as to how cameras can be used? I don't, to be honest, but I've heard from... Um, People like Seamus Mulcroney works with a, a number of Catholic primary schools and his advice is to only use it for security and to actually turn it off once the students enter the building. Mm-hmm. So it's hugely varied in terms of people's attitudes and in terms of how the cameras are used in individual schools. I, I spent time going through schools and looking at their CCTV policies. Um, you know, there are still many schools who will only use them outside or who might have them just in the reception area. But there are plenty of schools who will have them in the corridors. So I think as a parent, it's kind of important for you, you know, to check with yourself. Are you comfortable with them? Check mm. with your school. Are they using them? Why are they using them? And to have the conversation. And I think then that's, that's fine. You know, once the conversation is happening. Would you be suggesting that maybe, and look, the Department of Education has a lot on its plate at the moment, to say the very least. But do, do you think that the, the department should have some kind of policy document? I can't say if they don't. I don't know that, so should, I'm not... Should I, they I have? Should, should they, they have? I think they should. You know, of, of course. I th- I really do think they should, yeah. Um, and I'll be checking it up now once I finish speaking with you um, to see if they do. Um, but it's definitely something we need to talk about. I don't want to pitch this as an anti-school thing, sure, though, because, no, 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 yeah, no. schools are, are absolutely doing their best. And it, I, I haven't... I, I think schools are very aware of data protection. They're aware of what they're doing. I haven't come across a school who doesn't have a CCTV policy. So... It's, you know, it's it's something that's just there for the community to discuss. Okay. All right, listen, good good to, to talk to you. That's uh, Jennifer Horgan uh, writing about this in the Irish Times. She's also the author of uh, Oh, Captain, My Captain, and indeed she's a teacher herself. Thank you, Jennifer, for being with us again on the Opinion Line. Cameras in your youngster's school. It'll be interesting to know if there is a Department of Education policy document, I genuinely don't know. We have enough principals and teachers who listen to the programme now. Maybe they know. Maybe one of the principals who, who regularly listens to or even contributes to the show might know. Is there a policy with regard to the use of CCTV in schools? What does it say? How much are the students and their parents entitled to know about the use of the cameras? And how do you feel about your youngsters being on camera, as it were, at school. And young people like Stacey, who lots lots of people loving what Stacey has to say but and how much sense she makes. But young people like Stacey, like, are they entitled to know if they're being watched by, by cameras? Um, thanks for that. Jennifer, Mary Jane, on the subject of Stacey, Calamity Jane, what a young woman Stacey is. Very articulate and spoke so well. A credit to her parents and to herself. Stacey makes an awful lot of sense. A great call is another message. Yeah, she certainly is going down very well. Her thoughts are very clearly thought out, very well defined. Fair play to her, right? Um... Hi PJ, we have four children. I worked for the first three children and from day one we paid the grandparents to mind our three children. We paid them the going rate even when on maternity leave as we felt they were doing the same job as a minder. That's from Elaine. In relation to your story about the nana looking to be paid, I'm just curious why now? How long have they been minding baby? Is it a few months or a year or two? 
Uh, just check back on the article. It's about a year, maybe a little bit more than a year, uh, according to the article in the newspaper. I don't think it should be a set wage, but I think it's very sad when so many people take advantage of grandparents, expecting them to mind kids full time so the parents can have extra holidays. It's lovely to have grandparents mind them on special occasions, but I think it's too much to expect full time. Some grandparents give up their own jobs to mind their grandkids. If that's the case, they should definitely be given something as they're down a lot of money. And quite a quite a response to this. If she's living with them, she should be given the rent. I have that one. I have that one. Your thoughts? If Should you be paying Nana to look after the smallies? Either in kind or actually in cash? XFM. This story goes back 20 years. Now... David Material Boy Babington, she, you were in short pants 20 years ago. Good morning. Good morning, my friend PJ Coogan. <laughs> How are you? It's been a while, my old buddy. When it did is, you, yeah. When did, you, when did you find this bracelet and where did you find it? Okay, so yeah, it's almost two decades ago, 20 years ago. Um, it was one evening. I was meeting um, a friend outside Brown Thomas. And um, there on the ground was this gold, shiny little bracelet that um, I spotted. I picked it up. On the front of the bracelet was an engraving that said Phil. And on the inside, the engraving was the 21st of the 3rd, 1982. So at the time, the bracelet was 20 years old. And I have it now 20 years, which makes the bracelet 40 years old. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And you took it home and kept it safe. I took it home. I thought, my God, this obviously has sentimental value to somebody. Like I said at the time, it would have been 20 years old. The date would have had some form of significance to that person. So within a, within a week or two of finding it, I remember I placed an ad. I think at the time it was called the Pink Pages in the Echo. Yeah. And I placed an ad saying, bracelet found outside Brown Thomas with the details. I held back the date, but no one ever came forward. But um, there was something that told me keep it, you know. Um, And yeah, like I said, because of the sentimental value that's attached to it, it's something that I just, I just held on to. And I thought, you know, who knows, maybe one day I will find the owner of this bracelet. I will find Phil, I will find William. And of course, between then and now, social media developed. Exactly, exactly. So what happened throughout the years was that I just kept it with me. I have moved four homes since I found it, but I always kept it in in a little box. So just over a week ago, I was doing a little clear out and there it was again. And I thought, oh, my God, social media. Why didn't I think of that before? So um, I posted um, some photographs of it on my Instagram stories and I posted the photographs as well on Facebook. So a couple of days had passed, about 48 hours had passed, and then all of a sudden I received a private message from a girl named Neils who said that she believes that the bracelet belongs to her grandmother and her late grandfather, William. So, yeah, it was just, I couldn't believe it. I thought, what are the chances of this happening, you know? So we were chatting back and forth. The crazy thing is, during the time that I found it, I would have um, looked after Neve's mother, um, Bernie, as a client of mine. Uh, Yeah, she would have been a client of mine. At the time, I was working from home, and Bernie came to me for a few years 
whilst I had this bracelet upstairs of her mother-in-law. No! Yeah, Dave, it's crazy. God almighty, talk about it. The world is a street, let it's, alone a village. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. The girl leave, I would, I would have cut her hair when she was a little child. I would have looked after her mother for years. And the whole time, the connection of this bracelet would have been in my room whilst they came to my house, because I worked from home, like I said, at the yeah. time. Yeah, and when we joined the dots, it was just fascinating. Oh, I then heard incredible. That, that, it's the, incredible. The, the, it, it, it gives me goosebumps when I goosebumps when I even think of this actually happening. And before I knew it, I got a phone call from Bernie. We were able to relay the story. It turned out that Phil um, had had a family dinner, I believe, in Scoozies. And um, after Scoozies, um, she obviously misplaced it. That's where I was pretty close by, by Brown Thomas. I picked it up. I've held it. The way I see it is, uh, PJ, is that I've been minding this bracelet for the last 20 years. The bracelet was the bracelet was made when they found out that she was pregnant on her now youngest daughter, who would turn 40, I believe, this year. Mm-hmm. It was made then. And unfortunately, William, I believe, passed away almost a decade ago. Okay. But I think for me to return this memory of her husband... After 20 years of being lost, is just it's just an incredible yeah. feeling. I am I, I I'm blown you, away. You're, you're, you're a big emotional softy, so you're, you're close oh, to I tears you've been telling me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's incredible. I still can't believe it. What's, what's the turnaround of this in the last week? Just the emotion that's attached to it. And, you know, it's just, it's just incredible. I'm so honoured to bring this back to the... Phil has decided to remain anonymous, which we have to respect. Yes. I'm meeting her tomorrow and... Um, I'm going to be returning it to her and I can't wait to put a face to her and, um, you know, just, just see her reaction and it's just, yeah, I'm, I'm blown away by it. So Bernie would, have been, Bernie would have been Phil's yeah. daughter, correct? Daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law. Daughter-in-law, okay. So, yeah, so I, yeah, like I said, Bernie was a client of mine for a few years. We never made a connection. We never joined the docs. and never came up in conversation. And here we are now, two decades later, and we're able to make the connection, which is just, it's just mind-boggling. And, you know, the power of social media is just incredible. It comes with its hard parts, you know, when you're an influencer, but it comes with in- incredible moments like this. Oh, I never really believed that I probably would meet the owner, you know, but I just thought, what have yeah. you got to lose here? You know, and well, I, I've heard so many, I, you know, we call them, and as we've explained, I've said before many times on the program, I, I've worked for years with people working in adoption tracing and stuff like that. And, and some yeah. of the stories that you hear when people finally get together, like the guy who painted and wallpapered his own mother front, mother's front room and didn't even realise she was oh his my own goodness. mother. Those stories. Coincidences, I, yeah. I've heard all those. This is the, this is the best yet. It just, it, you know what, I just think that we're in such horrible dark times at the moment and I think we need to be uplifted with this kind of positive story and it is, it's mind-boggling. I can't believe that I'm, that I'm attached to it. I really can't and I think for this bracelet to be given back to Phil, to maybe given to her daughter who turned 40 this year that was made when they found out they were pregnant on her and to maybe pass on to her kids, I think this, this bracelet is going to have stories forever and it will stay in the family forever with an incredible story to be lost for two decades yeah. to be returned. I know. I know. She magic. said. I know. She said she she wants to remain anonymous, and we'd respect that. I'd give out and yeah. talk to her. Though I really would. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I know. And uh, I I think when I put this forward last week, you know, so many people wanted to like, oh my god, we can't wait to see photo- 
photographs of her in, but of course not. This no. is, Rochelle wants to be private and right. she's a lady that's almost, I think, 80 years old, okay. you know, and it just melts my heart. Right. And the romanticism that's attached to it of this bracelet return to her, you know, it's just, it, I'm beaming. It's one of the, Brilliant. you know me, I've been on the show a zillion times talking to you and um, this story is just incredible. Oh, Sorry, sorry. my little daughter there is, is making loads of noise in the background. Come here, yeah, <laughs> how, how are you getting on, young fella? It's been a while since we spoke. Yeah, like I said, we've we've had a million stories before. Yeah, all's good, all's good. I'm I'm a busy stay at home daddy now, as you can hear my daughter in the back road. So, yeah, so yeah, busy, busy, busy. All the right. salon's flying. It was fantastic, you know. When we we you know the last time I spoke to you, I think we were closing down and stuff That's like right. that. And now it's one of the best things ever. It's one of those serendipitous uh, situations where we open in Dollar Rail and everything is booming. We're booked up months in advance. We can't complain. We cannot Hobby, complain. Hobby's name is PJ too, isn't it? Am I right? Yeah, my husband is PJ. People are going to say that we're having an affair, PJ. You're the other PJ in my life. <laughs> Listen, go on. Good luck to you. And I'm delighted. Thank you so much. Please give our regards to Phil and tell her we're delighted. That we will indeed. I'll be meeting the lady face to face tomorrow when Fabulous. I just, yeah, I can't wait to put a face. All PJ, right. thanks so much. Take care. David Babigan, material boy. Lovely man. Lovely guy. And that is such, oh man, that is such a story. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM. Just going back to the conversation we had a little while back about CCTV in schools and standards of behaviour are what guidelines are there or may not be there. We had this in on WhatsApp. Hi PJ, on the subject of cameras in schools, okay, there's the there's the whole thing about should they be there in the first place, but I'd have a major concern about who would actually be monitoring the cameras and how would you qualify a person to do that? So what would make them the right person? It's a thought. Thanks for that. And if you ever want to do that, by the way, 083-396-9696. Just pop us over a voice message and we'll get it on the air. The phone number, I I can't believe I haven't got it wrong yet today. 0818-969696. That having been said now, I'll screw it up before the program's over, I guarantee. 0818-969696. Hello, hasta luego to southern Spain. I'll mention that in a while. And West Cork messages coming in from West Cork. But I want to go to Padraig Leahy. Can you imagine what the city might look like in the year 2101? It's only 80 years away, to be fair. Now, I'll hardly see it, but those around me, might our children might see it, you'd never know. But what will the city be like in the year 2101? Engineers Ireland are getting together to try to envisage that. Uh, and they've got a. They're encouraging people to help them with envisaging that future. Because Padraig Leahy, I suppose very few of us will actually be around to see what it's like. So it's imagination time. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on the Delighted. show. Delighted. What's the idea behind this? Well, I suppose the idea is that Cork is a developing city, as we all know and we're somewhat biased, but it's uh, the real capital, as we know. Um, It's changed dramatically in our lifetimes. Indeed, it's changed dramatically in the last 80 years. Um, It's about with the the Docklands and the Port of Cork moving down to Ringeskiddy and developments like that, and 
the Dunkettle Interchange, it's, there are big changes afoot again. So we're tasking people with imagining what the city and this met- metropolitan area might look like in, uh, in, in 80 years' time. Um, engineers and other uh, environment professionals like architects and surveyors and so forth, um, they're the people that are probably going to shape it and be involved in the execution of whatever it's going to be. So we're letting people, I suppose, have a little bit of fun right now. Mm. Uh, there may be some interesting uh, ideas that come out of it that mightn't otherwise get see light of day. Do you have a specific idea that you want them to envisage? No, we don't. We've kept the brief deliberately open because we don't want to put any restraints or blinkers or constri- constraints on people. Yeah. Um, we have a, a brief that people can get some guidance for. The, okay, the way in which they communicate their ideas to the competition and enter with their drawings and, and supporting documentation. Yeah, that's all laid out. But um, we want to consider the economic, social and environmental sustainability. Mm. And to, I suppose, give a green print maybe for our eco-city. Do you have a particular focus on something like a, a river crossing? Well, actually, now that you mention it, we have two competitions running at the moment. One is aimed at the professionals, and that's the vision of Cork in in eight years' time. But we also have another competition targeted at the third-level students, and that's Cork Lower Harbour River Crossing 2101. So what's the next River Lee or Cork Harbour Crossing? And again, that's a very open brief. Um, our view is that the harbour is a very underutilised resource. You know, you compare it to the likes of Sydney Harbour, the the other biggest uh, natural harbour in the world, yeah. and the use that's made of it with taxis and other watercraft. So, the river crossing might be a bridge, a tunnel, or some technology that we haven't considered uh, heretofore. So get get the thinking caps on and the imagination into gear. EngineersIrelandCork.ie is the website. EngineersIrelandCork.ie and there are two competition pages on that site and links to further information. So you have design competition for professionals and design competition for students. Okay, listen, Todrick, good luck with it. It sounds like a fun idea. Uh, None of us will be around to see it. Um, Well, Probably not, anyway. Uh, unless I'd live to be a hundred uh, Yeah. But somebody will see it. Wonderful idea. EngineersIrelandCork.ie for more information. Hi, PJ. Ah, buenas. Listening to your programme here in southern Spain. What a lovely interview with that Leaving Cert student, Stacey. She was a breath of fresh air, so mature, and raised so many refreshing and pertinent points. We love listening to your programme every morning. It keeps me rooted in Cork, even though I'm retired in Lajon. I, I think it's Lajon, they say, in southern Spain. Hasta luego. Oh, God, I'm not jealous at all. Not jealous at all. <laughs> Greetings from beautiful West Cork. We need mind three of our grandkids. We're both retired. We get tremendous pleasure from them. We also feel we're making lovely memories for them. Please God, for they're older and we're no longer around. We know that our son and daughter-in-law really appreciate us. Thank you, PJ. And in CCTV, it's not an ideal world. My daughter was subject to racist abuse in school. One incident in particular happened in a toilet 
where he turned up to her and went right into her face. It was caught on CCTV, the aggressive behaviour towards her. It was the only time they were able to prove something had happened. So I love the idea. Thank you for that. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Fully focused, what do you mean? Got my eyes on a prize, that's me. Manchester City are the champions. Number one, that's top of the league. The best football league in the world is right here. Firmino with the flick. Salah! Fernandez, he's going to go for goal. Oh, what a goal. The Premier League Live, powered by Top Sport. Join me, Trevor Wells. Exclusively online at 96fm.ie. Tune in Saturdays as we ramp up the excitement for the day's biggest games. We'll bring you pre match analysis, live commentary, and in depth interviews with some legends of the sport. The Premier League Live. With now, your sport on your terms. Stream only the games that matter to you most. With now. Listen every Saturday exclusively online at 96fm.ie or download the Cork's 96fm app. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 9696 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. <laughs> I won't mention his name because he'd probably get his, his throat cut <laughs> But he said, um, of course, anyone who feels that grandparents should be paid, then obviously they're paying the employer, PRSI, and encouraging granny to declare their income. And that would be the correct and legal thing to do. Go away, you mess her, you. <laughs> but I suppose it's true. If you're going to start paying Nana to mind the smallies, then, yeah, there would be a certain amount of... Um, implications there was one to be 100% honest about it 0818 96 96 96 is our number I don't know about you but if I'm hungry I don't even taste my food and I know it's not a good thing I really do know it's not a good thing but if I am hungry I shovel it back my throat like nothing like a thing possessed in fact Greenby often gives out to me uh, particularly if we're having something like curry. You know, you store a load of rice and just literally shovelfuls of it. Back. It's, it's just how I am when I'm hungry. It's not the right way to eat at all. But I find myself doing it more than I should. Now, Ashton Cambridge is a nutritional therapist and a consultant at Minister for Happiness. And Ashling, you're going to tell me I know that I'm not doing myself any favours by eating this way. Good morning to you. Hey PJ, happy new year, happy and, Tuesday. And to you, and to you, and a nice sunny Tuesday morning that it is as well. Beautiful. We'll, we'll, take, we'll take the little pleasure. Yeah, I'm just saying there, in the, like I, I have a habit, uh, particularly if, I've been, if, if I'm eating in the evenings and I'm hungry and I've not eaten all day, you know, for a few hours, mm-hmm. it goes back my throat in shovelfuls. <laughs> um, and it's not a good habit, I know. Why is it not a good habit? Well, I suppose... If you imagine going into work this morning, PJ, and you had people to interview and topics to discuss, and you had, you know, your few hours to do that, but someone came along and said, all right, PJ, you have to do the whole show now today in 10 minutes. You'd be under savage pressure because you're trying to fit everything in. 
And that's what it's like when we shovel through back. We're kind of, you know, missing a lot of the steps that actually are big part of digestion. Digestion starts in our mouth, not in our stomach. So the second you go to take a bite of food, when you start chewing, that's the beginning of the process of digestion. Mm. And there's multiple parts to, you know, breaking down your food. Uh, Digestion is one of the largest demands for blood supply in your body. It's a big job. That's why when we eat food quickly or we eat a lot, we're exhausted afterwards. Is that why? We need a nap. Is that why a big big meal, I mean, if I, I put it this way, if I eat my dinner at eight, I can Mm -hmm. forget about the nine o'clock news. Because I just sleep right through it. Yeah, it's a massive job. And and we put, you know, like the body does it perfectly when we give it a chance. Right. You know, and I know that January is a time of year where a lot of people might want to, you know, improve their health, lose a bit of weight maybe, detox after Christmas. And I just want to emphasize to people, start with the foundations. Do the simple stuff. It's not always easy, but it's simple. Mm. And eating slow, as far as I'm concerned in my opinion, is one of the foundations that is essential. And start with that. If you're looking for somewhere to start and you're worried, what should I be eating? What shouldn't I eat? You know, calories, all of this stuff. That's fine. But start with the simple stuff first and eat slow. I guarantee people notice improvement in their digestion. They stop having things like reflux, indigestion, heartburn. Um, The energy increases. So it really is one of the simplest, most foundational things you could do. Yeah. And, you know, your gut is your, is your other brain. Yeah. And it sends a signal to our brain to tell us when we're full. Mm-hmm. But, like, if we quickly, we don't give it a chance. I feel the bad habit. Minutes. I, have, actually, I, I don't even have, unless there's meat involved, mm-hmm. a chunk, I don't even have a knife. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I'm, 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 I should be in a zoo. I should be in a zoo sometimes, you know? <laughs> You're not alone there, I'd say. A lot of people out there now, this is probably making a lot of sense to them. Um, because, you know, a lot of people do. We live in a world where everything's quite fast-paced, you know? Yeah. Everyone is time poor, like, or we say we are anyway. So, you know, we have to rush the lunch because we have to collect the kids, or we have to rush the breakfast because we have to go to work, or we have to rush the dinner because we have to go online for something. But, like... It's 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 so simple, you know, we just take it for granted, really. But it is foundational to your health and well-being because it's such a big job. Like, it's not just breaking down the food for people who are, say, looking to lose weight now, for example. Mm. Imagine clumps of food trying to pass down through your digestive system. Yeah. They're not broken down properly and they're going into your stomach. That's not where they're going to get broken down. The process of digestion is also to assimilate nutrients so that they go to the parts of the body that need them for healing, for health, for immune support. So food is literally you become what you eat. So that's very important. But if you're eating under stressful conditions, you're not even breaking down the good food properly. You're not even getting what you're supposed to from it, which are the nutrients. Um, so yeah, does this make sense? It does. It, it does. And it, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, it is a bad habit of mine. I know that. Um, I, I mean, particularly certain dishes, mm-hmm. certain dishes. It is a very bad habit of mine. And and when, in fairness, herself constantly said, "Will you stop it? Will give us some indigestion." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and do you get indigestion? No, that's the thing. I'm okay. so used. You can't even be tasting that. She says. But what 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 will happen to me? is that, that then I go to watch something I need to watch for work, like the 9 o'clock news or primetime or something, and I'm... 
Yeah. Because I've, <laughs> my, my body is totally focused on digesting the muck I've just put into it, you know? Exactly, and it takes takes hours to digest, and that's another point just for all the listeners there now, again, people who want to improve their health this year. If you think about it, PJ, if you're eating a big meal, Mm. especially if it's close to bed, because a lot of people would say, oh, what time should you stop eating? Yes. I'd always say you need to give yourself at least two to three hours to digest your dinner, at least. Right. I'd even go more, you know, a lot of people I work with now and a lot of the communities I'm on, I'd advise after your dinner, don't eat anything else. You know, eating too late at night, can that affect your sleep in that when digestion finishes, you might wake up again? Well, 100% it affects your digestion. Because if you think of it like this, when you're digest, digesting, as I said, it's such a big job for the body, right? But if you're going into bed and your body hasn't digested fully and you want to go to sleep, which is a separate job because that's recovery and repair, then your body can't do either properly. Right. It won't recover and repair. Even though and digestion makes you sleepy. Yeah, but it, it, it's not going to... like. Digestion will make you tired because your body is under pressure. It's right. under stress. Sure. If you've eaten quickly or if you've overeaten because your body is exhausted. All the blood's going there. It's trying to do all these jobs. It's got so much going on. But then you're going into bed where your body's supposed to be recovering and repairing, which is a different job. Neither get done properly. So you may wake up or you may have disrupted sleep or, you know, your pattern of sleep might be disrupted or you might just wake up feeling groggy and like you didn't get that rest and recovery that you should. So what my advice would be when it comes to food, eat slow and don't eat too close to bed. It's the same as if you were going to go to the gym or for a swim. You wouldn't eat a big meal and go into the pool and do laps or go for a run. No. Because the blood needs to go to the muscles. Yeah. It's yeah. the same idea. Yeah, it's a bit like I, I, I like to do the old exercise bike for half an hour of an evening, and I would rather, much rather eat after. Yeah, and you, and then you, you're replenishing your muscles, so that's the perfect time to feed the body after yeah. a workout. Now, look, there are lots of schools of thought when it comes to this whole area of exercise and food and protein and diets, and I have to say, in my opinion... It does vary from person to person. There is not one diet suits everybody. No matter what anyone thinks or how many experts there are, nobody knows everything. Really, it is down to listening to yourself. No food after the early evening. Now, this is a thing Mm -hmm. that I think we all know you're right. Actually, but if, if you eat your, your meat and two veg at, at half six and, and everything's grand and you're sitting down then watching the telly at eight o'clock, mm-hmm. it's a long time to bedtime and you will, there's a bowl or there's a bag or there's a cake. It's a, any idea how we get through? And we, like, you, you know, as you're opening the bag, you don't mm-hmm. even want the bloody crisps, right? You don't. <laughs> but they're, mm-hmm. is it as simple a thing as don't buy them? Um, I'd like to say, yeah, but I don't think that's true. I, 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 I don't know. I think a lot of it is down to the fact that it's a habit. Yeah. And I all, and again, this varies from person to person. There are plenty of people who eat their dinner and it doesn't bother them. However, just to verify what I'm saying about eating slow, when you eat slow, it actually means that you're digesting, assimilating nutrients properly, and that has a positive impact on your blood sugar which means you're less likely to get a, a craving later on for something else. I see. So eating slow actually affects 
your general want for different foods as well because it affects your blood sugars and your hormones. Yeah. And it's so, always the bad stuff you crave. You, you never crave yeah. insensible, like. Yeah, it's kind of like that, you know, that drop in your blood sugars. And especially, I think, for people who over Christmas now might have indulged a little bit in those, you know, richer foods and sugary yeah. foods. Yeah. And they're starting to wean off now, but they still get the cravings. Do you know what's um, funny that you say that, Ashley? There's a, I, I start easing off in the in jam. I mean, look, I, I just, I'm a disgrace at Christmas. Let's just call it, a, that's what I am. I'm a disgrace <laughs> at Christmas. But oh, over the last few days, I've started pulling back and saying, mm-hmm. oh, no, just, just go back now to try and get back. In. And I can almost feel my body saying, thanks be to God, that's over. Yeah. <laughs> Is that genuine? Is that my body <laughs> reacting and resetting? I'd say it definitely is. Because look, in fairness, PJ, everybody indulges at Christmas. And look, if you can't do it at Christmas, come on. We all we all have a little extra. There's you know, no harm in it. But I do think again, if you're if you go back to the, you know, simple things like eating slow and making sure that you have, you know, some live foods in your diet like fruit and veg yeah, and yeah. things like that, nuts and seeds and you're drinking plenty of water. Like these simple foundational things mean that your body then is in a better position to be at its healthiest, yeah. to digest better, to cope with the little indulgences we do have. Now, I'm not, you know, advocating we should be eating sweet things all the time because, you know, outside the obvious fact that we gain weight, they're bad for our teeth, they're bad for our blood sugars, they're bad for our hormones, they're acidic. Like, sugar is, unfortunately, one of the worst things we can take into our body. One of the most addictive things, and we don't realise it. Absolutely. Yeah, more, even more so than cocaine. I think there's only a molecule of a difference or something mad like That's that. Right. That's right. That's right. So, if you think of small kids, PJ, right, and you give them sweets, we'll say, at a, at a party or something, back in the good old days, <laughs> they went to a party, they had cake and sweets and fizzy drinks and crisps. It bounced off the walls. All the bounced home. off the walls. But then... <laughs> A few hours later, they crash, they get cranky, irritable, they cry, and then they fall asleep. Mini drug addicts. But that process happens slower (laughs) to adults. So now after Christmas, people are starting to kind of come through, you know, the sweet things and trying to get out the other side. But they're still getting those cravings because they're getting that crash. But it might be a day after having the biscuits or two days after the chocolates. Yeah, no, I can, you know? I, I can and it, it, it's quickly, like, I can almost hear the body going, oh, thanks be to God you're drinking water again or eating bananas again. Thanks be to God. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever hear the theory, before I let you go, mm. you ever hear the theory about if you want to eat less, have your dinner off a blue plate? <laughs> Do you know what? I have heard it. And if I'm completely honest, I know very little about the scientific reasoning behind it. Yeah. It's not something I personally recommend to the people. But you know, whatever floats your boat, if it yeah. works for someone, I wouldn't be against it. The, the theory seems to be that there are no foods that we know of that are actually bright blue. Mm. So, so you, you feel full fat. I don't know. I, I don't feel fat. I mean, all my all my plates are white. So I don't <laughs> mine too. Mine too. I don't know. Like, I mean, you know, in nature, there may not be naturally blue foods, but there are flowers and there are berries that are in that range True. of colouring, blueberries, like yeah. blueberries, you yeah. know, blackberries. Um, so I don't know, to be honest. Okay. But um, my, my colleague, Jen O'Callan and myself run workshops and we have a wellness community. And we give a lot of tips on helping people lose weight, coming in, especially starting the new year now, just the foundations of it. And we're actually running a workshop this Saturday online, um, just two hours long. Tickets are on Eventbrite. And we give people simple tips now, like the eating slow, and we explain the science behind it and why it's going to help you 
in the long term. And I think this year, PJ, for people, my advice would be ease yourself in. Start getting the foundation so that you win the year rather than just trying to do everything in January. Very good. Yeah. All right. Great talking to you, Ashling. We'll do so again uh, sometime soon. That's Ashling Cambridge, nutritional therapist and consultant at Minister for Happiness, eventbrite.ie. You'll be able to find that, that uh, seminar. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Yeah, you, Eugene says you eat like a seagull. <laughs> That's putting it very politely, Eugene. Hi PJ, Happy New Year. About paying grandparents for looking after their grandchildren. I think it's mean. Most parents are quite generous in paying back in other ways. The payback time is definitely here with us as our four daughters are going beyond their call of duty, taking care of my husband and me in our old age. Also, all of our grandchildren couldn't show us more love or concern. We're truly blessed and grateful to each and every one of them. Money's only a thing. Love is what counts. Thanks a million for the programme, says Maureen. Maureen, thank you too. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Tell us some good news, Kev, please. Good news is I'm back at work. Yeah, I work for the government. Actually, the government, is it? I look, I'll have to make you disappear if I tell you. You're a magician. (laughs) (laughs) Just like the boys in the government. Vanish when you need them, that kind of thing. Listen, the government couldn't even make voting machines disappear, never mind us. (laughs) (laughs) That that was an awkward laugh. He's like, I shouldn't be laughing at that. (laughs) That was my decision. (laughs) Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool. First Skoda in the city. Now taking orders for 221. And always open 24-7 at noldc.com. So I'm looking out the window here of Studio One and it is just beautiful out there. That's a lovely winter, crisp January sun. And if I could look out at that every day until springtime, I'd be the happiest man in Ireland because I love that weather. But the rest of January, the dull and the dark and the dreary, I really struggle with that. I'm struggling with the dark evenings. I struggle with the dark mornings. I don't like it. I get this thing about January. I just don't like it. Plus the fact that for me, the buzz of Christmas and New Year's gone. And you've got the 107 days of January to drag yourself through. And then there's the wet and the wind of February to drag yourself through. And then there's the springtime. But for me, it's grand. I get by day to day and whatever. For some people, they struggle an awful lot more than that. Uh, And sometimes they need a little bit of help with it. And there are things you can do to help yourself. There are little little things that you can focus on. Um, And a bit of, I think, a bit of amateur cognitive behaviour therapy might not go amiss. Alice O'Brien is a CPT therapist. Alice, good morning. Hi PJ, how are you? Thanks Good. for having me on. Delighted to speak with you. Before I get into what you might do to, to help oneself through the, the dreary day, what is cognitive behavioural therapy? Because it's, it's a big word or a big phrase, but when you start <laughs> reading into it, a lot of it is just simple sense. Very simple, exactly PJ. So cognitive behavioural therapy is it's linking your thoughts with your actions. So just an example there, PJ, I'm laughing at you. You know, you said there were the 107 days of January, which we all agree with. 
But sometimes that's a thought, you know, so if you keep thinking that, God, January's so long, it's so dark, it's so terrible, what am I going to do? You're giving yourself that message and you might be acting on those thoughts then. So, you know, I'm never going to get over January. It's awful. It's depressing. Really, where is that message coming from? Where are you getting that? It's from your thoughts. So you say to yourself, well, I won't go out for a walk. You know, you were just talking there to Ashling about being at home and, and opening the bag of crisps at night and that kind of thing. Your mind is telling you there's 107 days in January. It's dark. It's, it's dreary. I can't go out. I'll stay here and I need the bag of crisps. You know, so that's your thinking and your action then is because of your thinking. So with CBT and I suppose with my page, CBT for all, I'm trying to teach people that, you know, if we change our thinking, we may be able to change our actions and small changes. You know, keep it simple, like Ashwin said there a while ago. Keep it simple. Do the small things and you'll see the changes eventually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think what I find is that my, my, I am such a, and any regular listeners know this and anyone who knows I'm such a Christmas person and my, okay. my wife and I are such Christmas people yeah. that we start building up about the middle of October right? and and, and then like come the jazz weekend we're actually p- pulling decorations out of the <laughs> attic kind of thing and then okay my birthday is in January but my birthday is not a big thing when you get to my age but but then it's gone and the next well, thing to look forward to is like Paddy's Day or something yeah, well, and I'm a January birthday too, so I have sympathy for you and for me because people keep saying January's terrible. But what about those of us who have a celebration in January? But anyway, yeah, but I suppose what you're saying there is, you know, let's look at the facts when you think about what we might call the January blue. So, you know, we're saying January, it's blue, it's terrible. But the facts are January is a month in Christmas. It's dark. It's the same as November. But yes. you, you kind of said there, well, November's fine because I'm putting up the tree and I'm excited and I'm looking forward to Christmas and everything is fine. Show, yeah. The toy show, the whole lot. But January is also a month in, you know, in winter. That's the only fact in it. But your opinion or a person's opinion might be, oh, it's awful, it's depressing. Yeah. But we need to watch where we're getting that message from, number one. But we need also to maybe normalise those feelings. You know, yes. it's okay to feel a bit blue. But where is the message coming from that January is you know, associated with being blue, you know, it's probably coming from, you know, where we're getting our social media or the messages. I suppose a lot of people stand to make a lot of money about making us feel bad in January. You know, holiday companies, um, diet companies, all those kind of things. They need us to feel bad about ourselves in January so So that we will make a change and we'll spend money. So looking at the facts, okay, January, it's a month in winter. It's a little bit dark. I don't really like it. But that's the only fact. The opinions are what you're giving and what you're telling yourself. So if you can try and change your opinion, then you may change your outlook. It it is only 31 days, not 107. Yeah, not 107. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 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 And it'll it'll eventually be gone. I I think the other thing that that, um, sort of gets on top of some people too is, you know, it's also a month of of uncertainty because, Mm -hmm. and particularly I think in these difficult pandemic times like if you remember mm-hmm. coming into january 2020 we had some notion that something yeah. might be happening on the other side of the world by january of 2021 it had taken over and damn near destroyed an awful lot of our lives yeah and here we are now in january 22 and you know what it is alice we don't know what lies yeah. ahead and yeah. that's very hard to, to get your head around it is, it is, and that's very fair, but I suppose oftentimes when we have uncertainty, our brain is kind of telling us prepare for the worst, 
be ready for the worst. So yeah. it's kind of telling us the worst, therefore we're starting to believe the worst. Whereas when I think we've done that, we got used to that in the pandemic. It's not like yeah. crash, it's a good point. Like we've, yeah. we've, we've kind of in the pandemic, I think it's something, and I think it's something we all are going to eventually when this is over. And I've been telling myself and my listeners, it will end. Have no yeah. doubt, it will be over. Will we don't yeah. know when just yeah. yet, but it yeah. will be over. But when yeah. it is, we're going to have to look back and stop catastrophizing. In other words, exactly. stop preparing for everything to be closed. Yeah, yeah. We've been and stop like saying, that. yeah, you know, what if it doesn't work out? You know, yeah. what if it does? What if things are okay? And I suppose we do also maybe need to look back um, on, on the COVID times and see, okay, it wasn't good. But there were some good things. Yeah. You know, we did spend time with our families. We did do things at home. We did learn that, you know, in our local area, we had some lovely things that we were traditionally travelling to do, you know, that kind of thing. We also learned that the world is now smaller in terms of this brilliant thing that has arrived into my life, which is Zoom. Yeah. We can do what we like now in Zoom. And that, you know, to beat the January blues now, you could do a yoga class with somebody who's in America. You know, you can do mindfulness with somebody in Dublin that maybe you wouldn't have done before. You might think about looking into an academic course that you would never have thought of before, but you can all do it now at home. Yeah. You know, so there are good things that came out of these uncertain times and good things will come again. You know, it's not all that. How important is it to write down uh, or even note in your mind stuff that will happen and to look forward to it? Or make a plan for those things and write those down. That's something that's really a good tip that I use. I do an awful lot of journaling and writing, just writing lists, really. But, you know, if you look at your your day, your typical day, you need three things in that day to have optimum mental health. You need a sense of pleasure, you need a sense of achievement, and you need connection. So, you know, your sense of pleasure and my sense of pleasure might be different. You know, somebody's sense of pleasure might be running 10 miles or it might be knitting a jumper. But if you have a sense of pleasure in every day then your achievement so again it differs from person to person my sense of achievement might be washing the wear somebody else's sense of achievement might be working eight hours Mm. and then obviously your connection is connect with people okay you might be self-isolating or okay maybe you might be trying to restrict your movements but you can ring somebody you can text somebody there's always somebody you can connect with Mm. as long as you keep those three things in balance and you don't forget them you know, because we do forget them or we may forget one of them or, you know, we might be striving for achievement, but we forget to enjoy. Mm. So if you make a list of them in the morning, what am I going to do today that will bring me pleasure? Yeah. It might be a hot cup of coffee. It yeah. doesn't have to be a big thing. But write it down and then take it off when you've done. Yeah. You know, Des- the achievement. Decide that at the end of the day, something nice is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Or something nice has happened. Sometimes yeah. we might forget that. You know, we might say, well, actually, I had a nice lunch there or, you know, I spoke to somebody on the phone or, you know, I met a a colleague in the corridor and I spoke to them. And all those things are good, but, you know, you just need to remember them. Mm. Something that I remember very early on uh, in in, in the pandemic, I saw so many people posting about and I read a lot of articles about taking joy from the Mm -hmm. smallest of things. And maybe that's a skill we have either learned or need to learn in these times. Take joy from the smallest of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and go slowly. Practice the pause would be a big one, I Give think, if we've one. learned that. Go through that. Practice the pause. Explain just that. Just practice the pause. You know, I mean, it's okay to stop for a minute, take a breath and enjoy what surroundings you have. And if you're not enjoying them, is there something in them that you could enjoy? Yeah. 
you know, so we're rushing. We do an awful lot of rushing, don't we? Especially in the weekdays. And, you know, as you said, it's January and let's get moving and get things done. And, you know, we're trying to motivate ourselves. But sometimes just stop for a second. Take a breath. Enjoy that breath. What are you surrounded by? You know, I suppose, you know, if we're looking at January blues, daylight is a big thing. So, Mm. you know, maybe get outside, even if it's five minutes on your lunch break to look at the sky. Yeah. Try and do that. I don't know where you are right now, but I'm looking out the the window of Studio One here at a glorious yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, it a is, and the sun is shining. But wouldn't it be very quick to forget that? You know, with me, yeah. you know, I, I'm I'm working, so I can't see out the window. So I might assume it's a dark, dreary day. I'm very, very busy. I'm doing things. You know, I'm moving around. But if I just took five minutes in my lunch break to walk out into the car park, yeah. I'd be reminded that okay, hold on now, it is a nice day, and the sun is shining, and. Mm. You know, I saw the sun for a little bit today. You know, all those things trick our brains into, te- into thinking that, you know, actually things are fine, things are good. They're not as bad as I think they are. Your page is CBT underscore for underscore all oh, and yeah. on Twitter. Yeah, on Instagram. Instagram. Twitter okay. is a bit too complicated for me now, PJ. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, like I always, when, when I see, I'm so used to it. When I see at, I think Twitter, but I forget Instagram, or, do that too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. CBT underscore for underscore yeah, all. Yeah. all right. So it's all the tips for that there if there's anything or other stuff as well. It's not just January blues if, if anyone wants to follow. Alice, thanks for being with us. Good conversation. Alice O'Brien, CBT therapist. CBT underscore for underscore all. That's why I couldn't find it this morning. I went looking for it on Twitter. 0818 96 96 96. Come here, here's one, right? Uh, we got a letter, handwritten letter, hand-delivered letter from a listener. And I don't know if you can help with this. If you can, great. It's a situation that arose with a taxi driver. And he's hoping that the driver involved might hear this and get in touch. And if you want to get in touch through us, then I'm sure you can do that too. So he says, I got a taxi in mid-November. And he drove me to Ballincollig. I got to my destination, but then realized I'd no money to pay him the 20 euro charge. So I said I'd pay him tomorrow. Presume he meant he'd find him and pay him the following day. But he left the park where he had dropped me and my bag was in the car. I met him again at Grand Parade, presumably a few days later, and asked him for my bag, which had many personal items in it. But he said, it's staying in the boot until he gets paid. I have the taxi reg and I'd like to settle it. So if the man is listening, then maybe he'd get in touch. So I know a lot of the taxi drivers listen to us. And a lot of the taxi drivers chat to their friends about stuff that comes up on the radio. So this is about a taxi driver who took a man home to Ballincollig in November. The man, for some reason, didn't have the money at the, at the time. And the taxi driver drove off with the man's bag in the back of the car. And he has the money, he wants to sort out the fare, and he wants his bag back because there's a lot of personal items in it. So if anybody recognises that story, I know it was a while back, middle of November, but if you recognise that story, then give us a call at 0818 96 96 96. John says, I celebrate my birthday in January, but any day you can get yourself out of bed is another birthday when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, listen, any any day that you can put the two feet on the floor and stand up and they both and everything works, that's a bonus. 
I just much prefer those mornings when there's a sunshine coming in the window. On paying grandparents, I think with the lady living with them, uh, she probably feels obliged to mind them even when the parents are there. Maybe it's taken for granted that she'll mind the kids 24-7 and doesn't know how to say no or make boundaries between being Nana and a general old pair. So maybe it's her way to feel appreciated, which is a decent point. All right. Now, one thing I've never done, I think I'd probably crack in two if I tried. Um, I've never done yoga, and I certainly have never done yoga in my (laughs) pyjamas. Hazel Buckley, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thank you for having me. Delighted. From the, the yoga tree in Balancholic. What is pyjama yoga, or is it as obvious as it sounds? Not at all. Well, we were toying between the name of um, Coogan Yoga or PJ Yoga, but we landed on PJ because we thought it might be a bit more catchy. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, so the idea really came from, um, I was on the Today Show yesterday and the producers and I were kind of brainstorming what do people need in January. You know, sometimes we might have these big New Year's resolutions for doing things that take, you know, too much time that aren't aren't very um, sustainable. So we came up with the idea of pajama yoga. So the idea of pajama yoga is that it's just five minutes in the morning. You roll out of bed. You're in your pajamas. You don't even need to get dressed. Um, I think we can all find five minutes, hopefully, just to resist the snooze button. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Resisting the snooze button. <laughs> there's the first heavy task of the day. I know. And we're all guilty of it. Oh, my gosh. I'll put my hand up and say definitely guilty of it. But, you know, if you can get yourself out for five minutes, it'll really set the tone for the day. Yeah. So, like, through the yoga practice, it's just a very simple practice. Um, you know, everybody can do it. So it's nothing, you know, maybe yourself, PJ, you might start doing it. Um, so it's, it's useful for all levels. But it's just a nice, simple stretch. So, so what do you do then, Hazel? I mean, you're there in your pyjamas at the side of the bed. What do you do? Yeah, so um, it's just a five-minute sequence. So it's just some poses that help to open your hips, um, help to kind of awaken your body, energize you, help to, you know, um, realign your spine and just really helping to set the tone for the day. So it's all very simple yoga, Mm. but all with the emphasis of kind of giving you energy and just setting you up for the day. So it's um, nothing nothing hugely new, but it's the concept really Mm. that I think is that, you know, Sometimes the fact is that it can even be hard to get out of bed. Thinking of working out and having to get dressed, you know, having to get dressed in your in in your in in your workout gear, mm. um, even that hassle. So what we're saying is that you can just roll out of bed in your pajamas. You don't even need to get dressed, mm. and you know you're not going to be sweaty. So you, you know it's just a nice little five minute flow, and um, so yeah, it's 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 amazing some of the feedback I've got already, even from yesterday, that people that have never practiced yoga before you know, have been doing it with their kids yesterday yeah. um, and are, are promising me that they're going to start it as their new routine in the morning to take five minutes. Do you know so. the, the way when you get out of bed in the morning and it's the first thing I do anyway, as soon as I manage to get to, to stand up, the first thing I will, it's not that difficult, I'm just saying when I'm lazy, the first thing I need to do is just literally stretch every I'm like a dog, every muscle in the body, every joint stretched in one go. And after that, a sense of waking up. So you're saying if I do a few more bits and pieces like that for three or four minutes, it's a good start on the day. Oh, 100%. And exactly what you said, PJ, most people do a little stretch themselves 
and and they may not even relate it. You know, it's just kind of a natural. You know, you you've been kind of curled and you've been in a, you know in a certain sleeping pattern all night, and the natural tendency is to stretch like a cat would or a dog would. You know, in the morning. So I suppose what we're doing is we're kind of going even deeper than that, and we're going to you know um, activate the parasympathetic nervous system as well to kind of stay in that rest and renew mode. You know, by moving through these poses, we're de-stressing our body. So then that in turn also helps to de-stress your mind. But actually on that point, the morning is the best time to, to practice yoga because your mind is already quiet. Because one of the biggest challenges in yoga is to have to keep your mind quiet, which I know lots of people find it hard. So you're already kind of half there because you've just woken up and your mind hasn't really woken up yet. Mm. Um, I'll tell you a yoga story before I leave you go. I was on holidays a few years ago. Uh, in Spain and one particular morning we had to be up very early we were waiting on a bus trip and we're sitting out on, on our balcony having a coffee and there's this guy across the, we had seen him every day in the pool with his with his grandchildren he's across at the other side and he's doing a yoga routine now clearly this guy's been doing it since forever right and he begins to stretch every part of his body the man can get his head between his legs to look up at the sky like he's really but he I suppose I watched him for 25 30 minutes and I got chatting to him the German man I got chatting to him in the pool a day or two later he was 81 years old amazing I couldn't yeah. believe the guy like he could twist himself around and that's and, and he was doing extreme yoga but a few stretches and a few deep breaths is the great start Oh, exactly. And I think sometimes people get a bit put off because, say, that amazing um, 80-year-old by the beach, you know, you're kind of, or by the pool, you're like, gosh, I'll never get that, get to that. But it's baby steps. And um, and actually, you know, a lot of cultures age somebody by the health of their spine. So they don't say what your calendar years are. They're like, how healthy is your spine? So that's the beauty of yoga as well. It's so anti-aging. So if you can, like, give your back a little stretch every morning just for five minutes, it's really going to set the tone for the day. And, and and that video is up there for free for everybody to practice as well. So it's not um, not something that anybody has to pay for. It's just up there for free. So, so it's, it's on the Yoga Tree pages, is it? Yeah, so people can find it on my Facebook, Hazel the Yoga Tree, and on Insta, on um, the Yoga Tree Hazel. So <laughs> a bit of a flip around. But if you search either one, Hazel the Yoga Tree, you'll, you'll come up, you'll find me, right? And um, those, it's just a five-minute video, as I say. So they're up there for free, and I just hope that it might encourage people just to do a little bit of a stretch in the morning. But you can do it any time of the day but great in your PJs in the morning. All right, listen, Hazel, good talking to you, and uh, thank you. Hazel Buckley from the Yoga Tree in Ballancolic. Pyjama yoga, or PJ yoga. Do more than just one stretch in the morning. Think about what the cat does when the cat wakes up, or think about what the dog does when the dog wakes up. Just do the stretching, though, not the licking. <laughs> Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, how many times has that lotto rolled over now? Um, the 19 million euro still hasn't been won. And there's been about 60 draws since June. 60 draws since June. They make around 2 million yo-yos on each draw. So that's 120 million on this particular rollover. The bit that bothers me is why they cap it. I'm sorry, if they, why cap it? Now, why not just tag on a million every... If you must cap... The, does it have to be capped? Hmm? They do the same with the Euro millions. I, I don't know. They haven't had a winner since June. We went into the mats of it one morning.
It's because of the number of numbers, the 49 and the 6 and the whole thing. I suppose it'll go eventually. Not one since June. 0818969696. Premier League Live back this Saturday at 96fm.ie with Trevor Welsh, powered by Talk Sport. Couple of big games. Live coverage of Manchester City versus Chelsea. That's at 12.30. Norwich v Everton at 3. And Aston Villa against Man U at 5. Busy day. Busy day back for Trevor and the lads. The Premier League live online with now stream live Premier League action with a now sports or sports extra membership. It's your sport on your terms. Stream only the games that matter to you most with now. And listen Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie. Now, during the, the pandemic, dating has been a nightmare if you're in the dating game during the pandemic and and a lot of people have just cleaned out their dating profiles and swept everything clean uh, to start the new year afresh uh, the big one for 2022 is virtual dating what page virtual dating paul newman owns and runs i catch that's i k a t c h paul good morning good morning pj virtual dating tell me virtual all about dating. Yeah, virtual dating is, is where people can meet um, face-to-face um, with their phone, um, unlike other dating sites where you would swipe to meet people. Um, video dating allows people to meet in a relaxed environment that simulates the bar, um, because that's where the majority of Irish people have had so much fun meeting, and they miss it. And it's a very relaxed way to meet people. So how does it work? Basically, people on their phone download an app, and then they attend on a virtual event, and the DJ and the manager introduces them to people that match their profile. Hold on, so virtual event with a DJ? Yeah, exactly. DJ or musician. And right. it's, it's, it's aimed to simulate the bar. Okay. I suppose like, the thing about it is, over the last two years during the pandemic, everybody has rushed off to download apps because bars were locked down or different types of things. So people really still want to like, engage with others. And I suppose like, Especially, especially, I suppose, um, with the current lockdown, we've seen a massive increase in the amount of attendees that want to meet face-to-face because they know with other dating apps they've been ghosted or catfished or they don't know who they're talking to on apps, but this is face-to-face and real. Right. So you log it, and is it a bit like speed dating? Um... Well, speed dating, in, in essence, I suppose, is is a word that, that, that kind of people are used to with regards to they sit down, they meet for two, two or three minutes. This is more like introductions. It's like exactly what you do if somebody introduced you to a friend and said, hi, PJ, this is my friend, Mary, uh, Mary here's, here's PJ. And it's that relaxed environment. We want right. to go back to what worked. Okay, so so I let's imagine I was logging in now. Mm-hmm. So I, I what would I see? I'd go to my screen, I'd open up, yep. there's this virtual event taking place. And what, exactly. ha- what happens then? Yeah, so then you'll be greeted by a DJ and manager, and then you'll wait, and then over a few minutes you will be introduced to a match, and then you will basically chat with them for three minutes. If you like the person, you can extend it um, to a further three minutes and so on, and then you will rotate back into the bar environment. So it's specifically made to simulate the bar. I think a lot of your listeners will, 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 will as they drive their vehicles, they'll go around down Cork, they realize that, when they were younger, they met their love of their life in the bar. They went over, they chatted with her face-to-face. The yeah. personality was engaged. Yeah. But these dating sites that exist right now, it's just swipe, 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 swipe. 
and there's no interaction with real personality. Right, right. So this is something I think you, you're saying you might even dress up for. Yeah, of course, absolutely. absolutely. Because like, realistically, the bars are now locked down till 8 o'clock. Most people are realising that, look, they're working till 6. How are they going to go to the bar at 8? They want to get out there and meet people. But realistically, they can go and catch this Friday in Cork. There's an event at 8 o'clock. Um, and really, we'll welcome anyone from Cork, anyone who wants to engage and relax and have a, uh, I suppose, mingle with different people from Cork in a relaxed environment. Right. And is there a cost involved in this? It's 20 euros. Right. So, and you download the app, you pay your fee, and then you're open. Now, if I or anyone decides, okay, I've, there's someone I like talking to, and now how private is it? It's, it's, it's very private. Like, I've, I suppose from the point of view of privacy, we've built a lot of things into the application that kind of um, facilitate the holiday of privacy and security and so forth. So the point being is like it's managed by a manager. There's a DJ playing, so we monitor everything. Also, our algorithms or AI catch any type of activity that you know people will feel offensive. Yeah, because... Look, with all these online dating apps, you know yourself, and not making light of the subject, but you, you don't know whether you're meeting someone nice or or a, someone dangerous or someone. Well, the, dif- dif- the difference being the difference, PJ, with, with, with catch is that like everybody is screened with video, so you cannot lie to the system. So the point when you come into the event, you're already screened. So okay. So in order you are, to you, be admitted, in order to be, is there a questionnaire or what is it? There's a video. You have to submit a video. And the system will not allow you into the platform unless you have submitted a video. And then everybody is screened from there. Unlike other apps, you can upload a picture, and that picture could be of somebody else. Yes. Which users call catfishing, for example. Right. You're making up a personality. Exactly. Right. So, in other words, if I was to send in a video and then, or send in a video for argument's sake, somebody else, you can't. It can't. The system only allows you to record a video live with you in it. I see. You've covered. So, you've, you've covered that base easy. So, yeah. there's one in Cork this Friday. This Friday, eight o'clock. And I catch I K A T C H. If anyone wants to try it. That's correct. Yeah. All right, Paul, good luck with it. It's a new idea for, for new times, I guess. I catch Paul Newman. Uh, virtual dating. Dress up for it. You dress up and you bring a drink or two, have a bag of cans, whatever. And there's a musician. That sounds like, actually sounds like fun. Do you remember we mentioned, or we spoke last year to uh, Catherine Dolphin Griffin? Um, a woman who'd written about her cancer journey. Her new book is called Hope to Cope. And she'd lost her own dad to cancer and uh, before her own diagnosis, in fact. And she's hoping the book will help others going through their journey. All proceeds from the book will go to the Irish Cancer Society and to Marymount Hospice. And that is open for pre-order now. Uh, printmybook.com forward slash hope to cope printmybook.com forward slash hope to cope and we wish Catherine well with that the programme today edited by Fiona Corcoran produced and researched by Fergal Barry see you tomorrow just after nine can we just talk the opinion line on Corks 96 FM with McCarthy Insurance Group call in person or call them now they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie even on a budget Quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.